We need to talk. The acclaimed Showtime original docuseries Couples Therapy returns with an addictive and revealing new season. Dr. Orna is back in session, helping four new couples grapple with real issues from religion and sex to polyamorous power dynamics. Collider says couples therapy is like nothing else on TV. It's break up or break through on the new season of Couples Therapy. Now streaming with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Visit ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hey, Fidelity. What's it cost to invest with the Fidelity app? Start with as little as $1 with no account fees or trade commissions on U.S. stocks and ETFs. Hmm. That's music to my ears. I can only talk. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Zero account fees apply to retail brokerage accounts only. Sell order assessment fee not included. A limited number of ETFs are subject to a transaction-based service fee of $100. See full list at fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Hey friends, before we get into today's episode, just want to remind you all that we are currently hitting the road for three live shows. It's going to be such a blast. And our first one is happening tonight in Philly at Underground Arts. Yes, you can still get tickets and come hang out with us. We're also going to be in Boston next week on June 16th at City Winery. And we're going to be at City Winery in New York on June 22nd. So get your tickets, come join us. There's more information at lovetoseeitpod.com. And if you want to watch the episode that we will be recapping, it is season eight of The Bachelorette, episode five. You can find it on Hulu. And yeah, get your tickets at lovetoseeitpod.com slash LTSI dash live, or just go to lovetoseeitpod.com and click the LTSI live tab. Get those tickets, come hang with us. It's going to be a great time. And now on to today's show. Fire. Thanks. I don't need help. Just watch me love myself. That's all I want. Got what I want. That's all I want. I'm not sorry. I'm Claire Fallon. And I'm Emma Gray. And this is Love to See It, an obsessively detailed recap podcast about reality dating shows like The Bachelor and other pop culture that makes us laugh, cry, and curse the patriarchy. We can't live with these shows and we can't live without them, but we can break down every juicy moment and unpack all the weird messages these shows send us about love, sex, and dating. Welcome to Love to See It, a podcast about experiments in wife swapping. Just like the rest of the reality TV watching world, we have been completely obsessed with Netflix's The Ultimatum Queer Love, an extremely normal show about five couples just switching partners for three weeks to decide if they want to get married to their original partners or the new partners or no one. (laughs) (laughs) Because say what you will about ultimatums around marriage, they make for incredible TV. Yeah, we're not talking about healthy relationships here. We're talking about great television. And here to join us in breaking down the first eight episodes of The Ultimatum, yes, we are biting off a large chunk during this pod, is our dear friend of the pod, Bravo personality, pop culture contributor, and host of Shaken and Disturbed, Darren Karp. Darren... Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm the I'm the resident lesbian that you guys need to really yes. break down <laughs> these queer facts for you guys. Because obviously heterosexuals I, can have no opinions. 
Yeah. I did uh, sexually profile yes, you. Yes, you did. For this episode. <laughs> My girlfriend Nadine gonna... was like, it's perfect. You you should talk about this. I was like, I know. They they typecast me and I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> this whole podcast is very just going to be a list of questions that we have for you. Like, yeah. what opinion are we allowed to have about this dramatic moment? Or like, is this normal? Like, you know. Is this how it always is? Uh, yes. Yeah, so this is going to be really comfortable and chill um we actually do have a huge amount of opinions so we are gonna have to get yeah, started good. because we're gonna run out of time let's do this it. so much so much happens in this first eight episodes just an unbelievable amount <laughs> should we start by just yeah going over the concept what what is this show claire so the ultimatum is a show about five couples and established relationships who are at an impasse over One important question, should they get married? In each couple, one partner has issued an ultimatum to the other, get engaged right now or break up. This is in the, like, Netflix, Nick and Vanessa Lachey cinematic universe. So it is, like, an experiment. It is, like, a process. It is science. It's a social experiment. (laughs) This is so scientific. (laughs) Nick and Vanessa Lachey, scientists. And the idea is that it will, like, guide each couple to the right decision by giving them the opportunity to switch partners for three-week trial marriages, and then they reunite with their original partners for three-week trial marriages, and then they can get engaged to one of their trial (laughs) partners, their original partners, leave alone, and I guess just, like, pretending to be married to some random person for three weeks will scientifically show you what you need in a partner, and if that is your long-term girlfriend that's that's relationships you guys don't do this this is what happens all the time (laughs) nothing says like really really establishing the value of marriage than having a random trial marriage for three weeks with a random person especially Uh, yeah we value marriage the sanctity the way it plays out like verges on like before you get married just like initiate a little affair just like (laughs) just see how it goes do you like your affair partner better after three weeks right (laughs) then you like like your partner after four years (laughs) i don't know oh my god maybe you're ready for truly truly obsessed with the like equivalency that they make they're like this person was really hot and chill when we hung out for three whole weeks (laughs) in like a neutral space uh and my partner of four years like Sometimes we don't have sex every day, and and that's a problem. Sometimes they like don't yeah. make the bed. Yeah. So I especially mm. love when they'll be like, you know, at the beginning things were so good, and I'm like, yeah, like just like how things are really good with your new partner now at the beginning. Right. Right. <laughs> like remember how great that first three weeks was with your ex. <laughs> exactly. That's yeah. It, it's funny because one of my friends is like embarking in a new gay relationship, female to female, <laughs> and. I, she was like, do you have any advice? And she was like obsessed with her girlfriend, just obsessed. And I said, they were dating for four months. I said, before you move in, you have to fight with the person and see how they fight. Like, so key. Yes. Like, you have to learn how to fight well. So sometimes in these trial marriages, and I know we're going to get to it, you do see that, which I do think is very helpful because like, it is a quick decision of like- It is clarifying. It is very clarifying. Genuinely. But you always have to like fight with your partner first, I think. Yeah, That sounds negative, but it's true. I have never fought more with my partner than in our first eight months. Yes. And it was <laughs> extremely instructive. So <laughs> this is the second season of The Ultimatum, but it's also sort of a spinoff. It's like between a spinoff and a season two. The first 
season featured five straight couples, and it was, like, an extremely deranged, dramatic show. One couple, like, got engaged during the choice ceremony at the very beginning, and then another that seemed like they should definitely break up was married and pregnant by the reunion (laughs) show. It was so chaotic. I loved it. Fear will make you do a lot of stuff in this world, let me tell you. A lot of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And now they're, like, having baby number two. Yeah, they're, like— Jokes on us, I guess. They're popping them out. So this season, uh, of course, queer love. All the couples are queer women or non-binary. And we are going to really try to make sure to use their correct pronouns. Although Netflix, it should be said, does not do a very good job making sure that we know what a, their correct not pronouns Not a good job? Ne- yeah. Netflix no, does not no establish <laughs> no, no a job. single pronoun during this whole series, which is titled Queer Love. And it's very clear that at least a handful of the people on the show are on a gender journey. Yeah. Yeah. And yet there is no clarification. I will say that the show was filmed in November 2021. And so I am unclear about whether perhaps some people's pronouns, preferred pronouns, actually have shifted in the last like nearly two years, which would not be totally shocking. But either way, Netflix does not clarify. So um, we did a little digging yeah. and and were able to clarify how each person prefers to be referred to now. And we will go over all of that when we go over the characters. Um, also, a fun fact about The Ultimatum is that it is a kinetic content show. Uh, the production company that is currently facing a lawsuit from a former Love is Blind contestant alleging, like, significant producer manipulation and, like, poor treatment, lack of food and water. (laughs) So whenever things got really wild uh, this season, I was like, I wonder if they've had enough to eat today. Um, So the vibe of this show is very uh nick and vanessa lachey cinematic universe docuseries style like love is blind polished production metallic wine glasses everywhere in the ultimatum they are silver because you've got to distinguish it from love is blind of course and from perfect match also true which is why on that show they're white (laughs) yeah that's true you never know what they're drinking yeah what is are that they design? Hiding? Right. That's got to be by design, though. They have to do that by design. I don't know. It's very, very it does start to seem suspicious. Um, and aside from, like, a few pivotal moments, there's, like, choice day, changeover day, decision day. Mostly it's all just signposted through, like, occasional text overlays, like, being, like, two weeks until, you know, end of trial marriages or whatever. So it's a pretty, like, fluid docuseries style show. Let's talk about the host briefly. Why isn't it me? Not. Sorry, but why isn't it me? Why? I hate, okay, I hate Darren, to say it. Darren, I hate to say it. Darren, why isn't it me? I legitimately, <laughs> I've been saying it. I swear I was like, I'm going to tell Darren like, that she should have been the host. Like, not to blow smoke, but like, how are you not going to even have a queer woman up there? Like, are you, just, I was just like, are you I agree. kidding me? I agree. Here, Here's the thing. When I saw who the host was, I was... Filled with two opposing feelings. (laughs) One, great relief that it is not Nick or Vanessa. Correct. At least not Vanessa. Like, please not Vanessa. God imagine. Yes. It it is, in fact, Joanna Garcia Swisher, who 
comes from the Netflix universe because she is one of the stars of the very soapy show, Sweet Magnolias. And yet, I was also like, why is it her? Because she's very much a straight woman. Very straight. And you can tell because she can't offer them really any advice. She doesn't really, like, push the conversation along. She doesn't really question people, which I would be like, well, why do you feel this way? She's like, doing the least. Yes. When I dug a little bit into why they made this switch, I got even more confused because they apparently did this explicitly to, like, differentiate the queer season from the previous season. Like, the executive producer, Chris Colan, said, oh, we we made a decision to create a new franchise where there's ultimatum marry or move on and there's ultimatum queer love. And we felt like it made sense to differentiate the two. So they picked this new host who is like not this queer. This white, like, straight white lady. Like what? I, I, I mean, even if you wanted to draw from like the Netflix family, why not tap like a Chriselle Stouse or right. like some someone from Queer Eye. Like, I don't understand. You actually have quite a bit of queer talent already in your pool to draw from, even if you wanted to, like, really keep it in the Netflix family. So this is, I don't understand. It was a really weird pull. Like, really odd. Yeah. And I'm not even, I'm not even a stickler for being like, okay, it should be, like, a queer woman. It should be this. But, like, this lends itself to that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's so many things that Jesse Palmer sometimes can't do in The Bachelor when he's dealing with the bachelorettes because he just isn't a woman. He just doesn't really know. It's just different. It's just, yeah. I don't know. It, it was yeah. annoying to me, honestly. And I was pissed off it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm pissed I'm as well. I'm pulling for you. There's Thank nothing you. wrong with typecasting. They should have typecast a little bit harder yeah, in this damn. moment. <laughs> <laughs> so we have uh, also our initial couples uh, that we should run through. Uh, there are five couples, Xander and Vanessa. Xander is the issuer. Vanessa is the recipient. They're both 30. They have been together for four years. They previously knew each other in high school when they their boyfriends were best friends. So they were they were the girlfriends. I love that story. Uh, I love this. Yeah, I love, love that origin, this origin story. story. It's, it's so, so true. Good. It's so true. Yeah. Like, that's just what happens. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> this is accurate. I also love that they're 30. They're not 22. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, they're at the age Lexi. where you could talk about that. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll get there, Claire. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. No. Yes. I think that their origin story is a problem because it is so cute that it is clearly holding them together when yeah, they are wildly true. incompatible. Like it's not even just that they had that they were dating best friends in high school. They meet again five years later at a taco truck, and Vanessa is like, "Are you gay?" <laughs> and Xander is like, "Oh my god, I'm not out to like anyone, but yes." And then they're just together for four years. I mean, how can you give up on that whole origin story? It's, it's so such cute. A cute. It's a cute story. You can just see it on a wedding website. Yeah, you can. You really can. A taco and truck? Xander truly yeah. can. Come and on. then you have a taco truck at your wedding. You have to have a taco truck at the wedding. Right, like, come on. Like, but yeah. And it's, and like, custom painted on the side, like, Xander and Vanessa's taco truck. Like, it, yeah, it's a whole uh, thing. Yeah, it's a whole yeah. thing. We've mapped it out for them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Vanessa has never wanted a long-term relationship or stability. <laughs> she just wants freedom, freedom and also kids in some way that is very freeing the and not stable. The opposite of freedom or stability, yeah. but okay. I don't think she's thought things through, through too much. No, that's kind of Vanessa's thing, yeah. like not thinking things through. Yeah. Uh, 
We have Yoli and Mal. Yoli is the issuer. Mal is the recipient. Yoli's 34. Mal is 36. And sincerely, I don't believe her. I think she's 22. Yeah, like, no. she's the youngest-looking 36-year-old I've ever seen. And the hottest and person. gorgeous. Just stunning. Yeah. Hot. Just when I saw like, Mal, I was just like, this is a show about Mal now. Like, <laughs> yeah. Mal, is, Mal has star power. The ultimate but- Maltum. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it should be. It should be that. Mal should host it, too. Screw yes. me. Oh like, God. Mal should host it. Like, that would be Mal great. Mal actually like, should host it. She would be great. Have they she actually would be this? good. Yeah, they should be awesome. I mean, next season. Next yeah. season. It's an opportunity. They've been together for three years. They met at Pride. Yoli is very eager to start a family before it's too late. Mal is like, first we need every single piece of money that we will ever need for anything, and then we can get engaged. And also, and I think this is a great setup for the season, Mal is is afraid to commit because Yoli is always all in with her partner. She loves hard. And Mal is like, I'm not sure if I'm special. Maybe Yoli would just want to marry anyone, and I want to make sure that I am special. I'm going to say... Yoli might just want to marry anyone. Yoli's light is on she a might. little bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She might. She might. I understand Mal's point there. I also understand yeah. Mal wanting yeah. to have money. I get that. You yeah. want to have stability. No, I get I that. do get it, but it's also like you can also keep making money while you're engaged. Yeah, it's not like you have to have everything figured out. But people who are like, well, just do it. And I'm like, well, you know, there is something nice about having financial stability before you embark yeah. in a partnership. I also- you know, I also do wonder if that second part, like the financial part, is easier to kind of pin it all on. Yeah. I think it's the but red she herring. Also, for, is like yeah, yeah. I she's think also it's like the red herring. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, realistically, I mean, yeah. I will say I'm a Yoli. I was very much like people have kids all the time. We'll figure it out, sort of person. Because like you can keep making money, but you can't make more time for your. That's true for your family, and that, so those are just kind of like incompatible viewpoints but it does seem like it's a red herring for sure we're gonna take a quick break we'll be right back to continue our discussion of the ultimatum can you keep up i like love it this show is sponsored by better health this year has gone by so quickly i can't believe it's already almost summer and i actually have kind of accomplished a lot of my goals for this year so far We now have, like, a pretty good routine for our family, which was, like, kind of ruining our life at the beginning of the year, having an extra kid in the mix, an extra school run. And I look back and I'm like, wow, we really, like, pulled together, figured out a way to make our household work as a team. And I just want to keep that energy going through the year, just, like, functioning at top capacity. When life goes so fast, it's important to take a moment and really celebrate your wins. And make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can really help you take stock of your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com slash love to see it today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash love to see it. Okay, so you got engaged. Congrats. Now you may be wondering what comes next. If you're planning a wedding, the first thing you need to know about 
is Zola. With Zola, you can plan your entire wedding in one convenient place. From the day you get engaged and search for the venue to the day you send out your save the dates, make your registry, and even taste your cake. Zola has literally everything you need to make the whole process super easy and actually even enjoyable. There's even a five-star app that helps you plan on the go or, you know, from your couch, which is certainly how, uh, if I was planning a wedding, I would definitely want to do it as loungily as possible. <laughs> so important. I also just know myself. I, I know that planning any kind of event, like even a birthday party, can get very stressful. And so it's been really cool to see friends use Zola. It really seems to make everything a lot less stressful. And as a frequent wedding attender, I love to be able to hop on that Zola registry and just purchase a gift. Easy peasy. I know I've done it. I won't forget. Thank you, Zola. Yeah, everything's all in the same place. It's perfect. Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A.com. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off your list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. You don't have to pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that just don't really help you speak a new language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, and rooted in real-life situations. Plus, Babbel's speech recognition technology helps you improve your pronunciation and accent, which personally I think is actually one of the sneaky, hardest parts of learning a new language. I used Babbel to brush up on some basic French before I went to Paris for three weeks, and it was so helpful to help me just get around the city and order food and purchase things without looking totally ignorant. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash LTSI. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash LTSI. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash LTSI. Rules and restrictions may apply. And we are back. Let's talk about Lexi and Ray. Let's. Lexi is is the ultimatum issuer. Ray is the recipient. Lexi is 24. Going on 84. Going going on 84. She's got her shit together. Ray is 27. Yes. Lexi is the most, like, forceful person I've ever seen. In my whole life. In my whole life. In my whole life. These two have been together for three years. Three years, Lexi is like type A on top of her shit. Ray is extremely reserved and a little more unsure of herself. But Lexi's mom plans weddings and her dad is a jeweler. So she's like, chop, chop, let's fucking go. She's like, I know about marriage, rings, weddings. Let's do this. Right. First partner you're ever with. Okay, sure. Why not? (laughs) Let's go for it. Ray is really hung up on whether she will ever feel anything like the sort of idealized, or as she puts it, picturesque image of romantic love she grew up with, which makes Lexi feel like she will never measure up. I will say, if you're 27 and you're like, this this love I feel for you isn't measuring up to what I've always dreamed of, I would uh, I would shop around a little now rather than... I would trust uh, your instincts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're in your 20s. You're it's young. fine. Just... 
Give it another shot or two. Also, this is like one of those classic things of like you have to say I before you can say I love you. And Ray just doesn't love herself. Like she's just not there yet to really love herself. And she should, but she's not there. And so like she can't possibly offer Lexi everything that Lexi is literally demanding of her. Like there's just. It's not going to happen. And yeah. Lexi is such a force of nature that Ray is just sort of buoyed by Lexi's force. She's like, boobied and, by and, Lexi's force there. Yeah. And boobied. <laughs> and yes. boobied. boobied. Ray's it by Lexi's yes. giant tits. Huge. Lexi's They're got huge. what she needs. They're yeah. huge and all over the internet. Good for <laughs> Lexi. Truly. I mean that sincerely. Yeah. I was actually like fascinated throughout by how everyone's like, Lexi is such a provider. She like is, and I'm like, what is Lexi's career? And I don't know the totality of her career, but I do know that she has hundreds of thousands of followers and an OnlyFans. So Lexi is making it happen. And we love that. And apparently all all of that happened after they filmed. Yeah, honestly. This was like a COVID. So she's got to be like 26 now, right? Yeah. I assume she was 24 at the time of filming. I think so. So, yeah, I I really related to some of the dark parts of what Ray is experiencing, which is like, if you don't love yourself, that tends to like eventually like rub off on your partner. You're like anyone who loves me when I'm so shitty like they can't be that great. Like there's something oh, wrong that's with so them interesting. too. Right. Right. And I feel like she has a hard time. Like really, she, it's going to always be hard to feel that um, satisfaction with her partner and her relationship when she's like any club that would take me. You know, it's ter- is right. terrible. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's such that's such a good point. And it just feels like Ray needs. Like, there's no space when she's with Lexi. Lexi takes all the oxygen out of the room. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't mean that in a necessarily negative way, but, like, there's not really space for Ray to sort of be thrown into the world and, like, forced to find herself in her own steadiness. And think for herself. And think, like, what does Ray want? What does Ray love? And, like, it's also very clear that, like, this was a relationship that got a lot more serious during COVID. Right? Like, these two were in lockdown together. Right. And I think Ray needed someone like Lexi to kind of, like, when I say tell her what to do, I'm not saying that Lexi's being abusive, but I think, like, make the decisions and, like, really take take the reins because Ray just isn't ready to do that. She's she's just so self-conscious about who she is. So, like, I think that worked for a time. And then Lexi was like, I want forever, you know, this and that. That's when Ray had to be like, wait a minute. Like, is this something that's good for me? You know, like, I don't know. Yeah, it is. Their dynamic is wild to watch unfold. Then we have Sam and Aussie. Sam is the issuer. Aussie is the recipient. Sam is 31. Aussie is 42. They've been together for 1.5 years (laughs) after brushing hands at a party and just feeling like pure cinematic electricity. And Sam and Aussie have... (laughs) Just, like, a dynamic that seems unsustainable. Sam is, like, very sweet and placating. Aussie is incredibly avoidant, very afraid of commitment. Aussie is the most avoidant person I think I've ever seen. Oh, sorry. Aussie can't even comprehend conflict in any sort of way. And let me just say this. My therapist is always, like, the quality of your life is directly proportional to how much discomfort you're willing to tolerate. And when I think about mm. that, Ozzy is the exact opposite of that. Like, Ozzy cannot handle 
any conflict whatsoever and just runs away. It's like, you can't have any type of relationship like that, you know? Yeah. It's impossible. Yeah. Ozzy clearly is dealing with a lot of childhood trauma. Ozzy has come to Ozzy's identity. Um, To be clear, Ozzy prefers to only use the pronoun Ozzy. So yeah, so we will be doing that. Um, It's a little clunky, but that's why we are doing that. I mean, Ozzy... Ozzy has a lot of childhood trauma. It's not clear that Ozzy is dealing with it, which no. is Ozzy's biggest it's, issue. Ozzy, Ozzy is not really dealing yeah. with that trauma. Ozzy is I guess is, is more what I was addressing the trauma. More what I was trying to say. Yes, Ozzy is on a, a more of like a, a gender journey. I think we see some of that, but also just yeah, has sort of created these like very intense boundaries. And ways that Ozzy will communicate with any partner. And so that's why Ozzy found someone like Sam, who has for the last year and a half been willing to just bend to those needs in a way that like, yeah, as you said, Claire, does not seem sustainable long term. And and Sam, you see a lot of growth throughout this show, and I know we're going to get to it, but you do see her really growing. Me too. I really, I really, really like her. Sam is like sleeper star, I think. Well, she's an adult. She's like, she's really, she's like a real person to me. Like she's dealing with the conflict kind of head on and being like, no, I'm not going to people please you anymore. Like I deserve better than this and we have to deal with this as a couple. And I'm like, that's real. Like that's what couples need to do. You know, like she's putting it out. And also- Without being cruel. Like, she is not cruel to a single person in the cast on the show. Like, Sam just seems like a deeply good human. Great. Yeah. I, I, the point where my jaw dropped in their intro is when Aussie, who again is 42, says that they want to live together for five years before they consider getting engaged. I'm like, I think that's just an Aussie thing, not a Sam (laughs) thing, but like, that's cool. You know, that seems... Very, but you know what? Like I said in the beginning of this episode, like when I'm giving advice to my friends, but like you got to see how they fight. If I saw that, how Ozzy was fighting, like that's nope. the biggest red Automatic flag no. like that you could ever have. And so kind of yeah. thank God that you're living with this person and not married to this person yet, you know? So it's like, yeah. that's good. That's a good thing. Yeah. No, it's it's definitely good to do some due diligence. Five years of due diligence at this point in your life <laughs> seems... Perhaps more than is needed. Like, for example, I think three weeks with Ozzy should definitely be sufficient <laughs> to figure out the issue. <laughs> to, to tell you that you probably cannot be in this relationship. Yeah. Yes. Oh, absolutely. my God. Because also I'm such a Mildred. So we'll get into that. Uh, we have as our last couple Mildred, the issuer, and Tiff, the recipient. Mildred is 33, divorced with a teenage son. Right. Who we learn about very offhandedly in, like, episode four. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Tiff is 32. Tiff also has a child, a husky, that they consider the equivalent of, like, a human infant. Like, they must bed share (laughs) until death. And Like, I sort of get that. Like, I sort of, like, relate where I'm, like, I love animals so much. Like, I often tell Nadine, my girlfriend, I'm, like, once we get a dog and a cat, like, you're going to have to sleep on the couch. Like, that's it. <laughs> like, that's what's happening. Like, the animals come first. But, like, I've, like, it's, like, being partially facetious. Like, I would never, like, argue There's with my partner yeah. with this. Like, it's more of a joke than anything I, else. It's, Tiff is really someone that I Red was not that into at the beginning. Yeah. And then... 
by the end of episode eight, I was like, Tiff. I feel like Tiff showed growth because <laughs> yes. at the beginning, I was like, Tiff is like the closest to toxic masculinity that totally. I'm seeing. Except oh, for yeah. Ozzy's brand of avoidance, which I guess is also <laughs> toxic masculinity. But um, there, there is growth. I will say if you're determined to bed share with your dog, and your partner, a husky is not the direction I would go because no. they're in North. Like Yorkie. <laughs> or you need yeah. a very large bed. I don't know. Yeah, yeah you need like get Shaq's re- bed in order to do this. Like it's got to <laughs> exactly. fit like a seven foot five basketball player. Yeah. And then, okay. But yeah, husky, I'm like, my girlfriend's five one, and yeah. I'm hot in bed with her because she's just like, yeah. it, the, the radiating heat, I can't, I couldn't handle it. You know what no. I mean? No. Uh, Mildred and Tiff <laughs> met when Tiff was searching the lesbian latina hashtag on instagram this is how people meet man they gotta type and like that's that's real like i know plenty of people that i met like that it's crazy could never imagine that i was like i don't know if i would admit that i was specifically searching that hashtag which just gives a little like fetishization vibe but that is how they met and they have a super hot sexual connection that Netflix loves showing us. Yes. But they also have the tumultuous emotional connection that often goes along with that. They break up frequently. Uh, Mildred seems to be the dumper, typically, but she also wants more commitment. At one point, they say they break like up 50, like 50 times yeah. 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 a year. No, they have broken up 50 like, times in two oh, years. Yeah. So that seems... Great. And for in their 30s, I mean, like, I sort of get it when you're in your 20s, because, like, certainly when I started dating women, I remember with my first girlfriend, like, I was devastated when we broke up because I was like, I'm never going to find this was like 16, 17 years ago. I was like, I'm never going to find another queer woman that I'm attracted to that has all these things. Oh, my God, I'm freaking out. But now... Like, why aren't, like, yeah. like plenty of fish in the They're sea. both in their 30s. <laughs> plenty. Like, everyone's queer now. Come on. Right. I'm like. Mil- I mean, Mildred is, yeah, ha- was married to a woman previously. Right. Is divorced. Has a, you know, grown child. Yeah. Like, these, are, mean, these are not also children. also has severe childhood trauma. Mildred's parents yes. both abandoned her when she was very young. She also, like, suffered, like, profound loss very young. Yeah. It sounds like she was not, or at least in her recollection, was not the person who left the marriage. So Mildred has a lot of abandonment issues that make a lot of sense to me. Like, I see it elements of myself in Mildred, um, you know, and I just, like, lost one parent um, who, who died. Like, and that can still give you some certain abandonment issues and you see what she's doing is she's testing tiff she's like i want to be able to push someone away and be the one who is not left which is why the partnership with ozzy was never going to work yeah well it does really bring it out because abandonment and avoidant you know like i understand why you kind of keep going back because you're trying to relive that childhood trauma you're trying to be like all right, I'm going to convince this person yeah, you can, not. You yeah. can see why they gravitated totally. towards each but other. But you can also and see why also, they're never going to work. Yeah. yeah, it's like an extreme avoidant attachment st- style matched with a pretty totally. extreme anxious attachment style. Absolutely. Yeah, and like that is not healthy. It's not so great. should we should we get into the dating week where they are yeah. all trying to kind of mingle and find out who they want to shack up with for three weeks? Yeah. 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 They have a little dating week and 
It's, it's uh, you know, some interesting things arise. Um, it's round-robin style, yeah, they essentially. they all date each other. And I thought that was interesting. Like, there are moments where, for example, like, Mal and Tiff are on a date, and they're like, this is so weird. Like, we <laughs> only date femme. Like, I've never right. been on a date with another masked person. But, like, I guess we're adults, and this is what we have to do. Yeah, this <laughs> is what we're doing. Show. It is kind of shocking. Like, I wonder how they kind of pre-prode this, just because it's like... The likelihood of 10 queer female and or like gender nonconforming or non-binary, like, it, it, like the likelihood of them being attracted at least to another person. Like, I just want to know the math on that because it all kind of seems to really work out when they all match up. And I'm like, how can that be? I, like, I also would imagine, first of all, a lot of that is like the way that they're cutting it together. Because I to. do actually feel like a bunch of these matches were just like, Thrown together. I guess you're the best one here. This is more of a friendship. And we we saw that on the straight version as well, where right. you were just like, yeah, there maybe is one couple that like is a new couple that has a genuine spark and everyone else is sort of just like, like, all right, this is the, yeah. what we're doing. Yeah. 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 Which is kind of the case with the straight ultimatum too. It's like, yeah, you're not necessarily I mean. that into the other person just because they seem like the but you best don't but you like option. don't need to be yeah yeah you like don't need to be because they can like squeeze enough juice yeah. out of the couple relationships that do have a spark and then they can find conflict yeah yeah but it sure. seems like they do tend to break down a little bit into like the more mask partners from each couple and the more femme partners from each couple and they all kind of end up with a counterpart like in that way. Yeah, that is that, so like there that mask and mask never date. Yeah, so there all. does seem to be a certain degree of like, yeah, like we all have our our roles, and some people really do seem to quickly gravitate to each other, even if it's more platonic, but not platonic from the jump. I think Yoli and yeah. Xander. <laughs> my God! Oh my God! Yoli and Xander, fascinating. Yes. Claire, you. Brought, we were texting about this, and you were like, sometimes the people who just want commitment and feel it the most strongly, when then they're, like, released to date each other, they're like, oh, yeah, I just wanted commitment and stability, not necessarily yeah. only with that partner I came with that I was saying five minutes ago is the only person I want to marry, and I'm not looking for anything else. Yeah. The minute they're like presented with an option where they both want the same thing and there's a level of attraction, it is like, in fact, fairly easy for them to I mean, that's a, fall into a new relationship. That's a recipe of values. I mean, which is why it's interesting as opposed to like the mask femme, what it really fell into was like the ultimate givers and the ultimatum recipients kind of fell into their own like little quadrants. And especially with Xander and Yoli, it's like, this person, regardless of I don't really even know this person, because you can't possibly know someone after three weeks, even if you live with them, you just can't. Like, either they're the most boring person in the world and you feel like you know them or you're lying to yourself. <laughs> like, they have to be more yeah. interesting than that. Uh, I still learn new things about my partner every day. And I've been with her for three and a half years. You know, like, I'm always learning stuff. But I think when you're like, oh, my God, this is now presented in front of me where all of my values are lining up, that especially in queer female relationships like because it's so emotional 
that that's that that's the U-Haul joke with women, you know, that we yeah. bring a U-Haul in because it's just the attachment is so easy to grasp and it's so easy to see. Yeah. And you see it immediately, immediately. with these two. Like there is just a physical connection and yeah, that is really bolstered by this like this excitement yeah. of meeting another person who just so deeply wants the same things as you do. And they are both just like yes. giddy with each other yeah. immediately. Yeah. Yeah. On one date, Xander like rearranges their chairs so that her feet are like big spooning Yoli's feet and their like knees are spooning. <laughs> and I was I like, mean, I feel like I shouldn't be here for this. Yeah. You're like, this is very intimate. <laughs> I mean, I will say, like, especially in my lesbian world, like, if you're touching legs or knees, mm-hmm. like, it is, the sparks are a fly. It's, it's on. Like, it's not like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. It's like, it's deliberate and it's happening. And like, that's the first flirtation. It's like buying a drink, you know? Like, yeah. that's what it is. Also, if I were Xander, I feel like I, Xander has to be so prime for this, specifically because Vanessa is like playing some sort of weird head game with Xander. Yeah. Like, on an early date with Yoli, Xander asks, like, if we had kids, like, would we each have our own kids? And they would just be ours, and the other person's kids would, like, not be our kids? Or would we have the kids together? And Yoli's like, they would be our kids. Like, we're together, we have kids, they're our kids. And Xander's like, yeah, that's not how my ex felt. It's like, and I was like, I'm what sorry, were you expecting? What? Like... It- <laughs> Like that's not normal. It's like being like, are we yeah. gonna have joint bank accounts or separate <laughs> bank accounts? Like, no, if you have children, like especially in queer relationships, because it's like obviously the biology of the kid, it can't be both of your kids, you know, like in that way. And like parenthood is just defined, I think, in so differently in queer relationships. But like, how could how could you even tolerate Vanessa assuming that the kid wouldn't be yours with your partner like it like that blew my mind i was just like yeah that that was completely yeah that that was upset and also like i get not wanting to have kids but once you have them like what it seems very like and and if you are in a partnership right like if you're saying we are in a partnership like a committed partnership and we're we are having children then like it seems like very very odd it seems very like internalized patriarchy to be like the parents are, like, unless you have a genetic connection to the child, then you're basically a step-parent. The child is mine because it came from my body. Right, so adopted kids just have no parents? Like, what? Like, Yeah, right. no, it's, it. it's like, completely unhinged. And I do, yeah, it does feel like something Vanessa kind of maybe uses to, like, dangle over Xander's head in this, like, flighty way. Because Vanessa does not actually seem to have any desire to, like, really talk about how she sees the future and how they will be building a future together. Like, those conversations freak her out, and she just assumes that Xander will never leave her, and so she doesn't have to have those conversations. Vanessa has, like, individual goals for her life that involve, like, bearing a child and, like, also being incredibly free and doing whatever she wants and, like, indulging in the cornucopia of romantic partners that the world has to offer. And the idea of, like, meshing those plans with someone else's plans are... It's just she's not interested in it. And yet she's been with Xander in a committed relationship for four four years. years. So it's... it's, There are all of these... So many question marks for me about, like, how this relationship has been 
over the course of, of and that. And also four years. for me is like, I know everyone was kind of targeting Vanessa, but part of me is like, well, why did Xander put up with it? You know, like what's Xander going on with in, in their own mind that yeah. is allowing yeah. that lack of commitment kind of going on? Like, I feel really committed to you, but you don't seem committed to me. And so therefore it's like, I'm just too scared to let you go. Like Xander also has a lot to figure out as well. Yeah, absolutely. Xander has been a huge doormat in this relationship. A- absolutely. By choice, to be honest yeah. with you. No. Uh, but it does seem like Vanessa somehow has managed to have a series of relationships with people who are doormats for her. Well, that makes <laughs> she sense. Likes, yeah. so she f- and she's very open about yeah, it. Yeah, she knows how to find that. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with the rest of our conversation on The Ultimatum. Can you keep up? I like love it. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with factors no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Protein Plus and Keto. Factors fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. I love that. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Make your day delicious. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. And treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I don't know about the rest of you, but sometimes when I'm having a busy day, like, I don't know, every day, and I'm just running around trying to finish work, trying to deal with daycare pickup, I actually can forget to make time to feed myself something that is actually good for my body, something that isn't just my fifth granola bar of the day. And that's where Factor really comes in and offers me a nice balanced meal that tastes great, that has vegetables, that has protein, that has all those things that I can't find just by grabbing a snack out of my cupboard. And it's really such a game changer. Head to factormeals.com slash LTSI50 and use code LTSI50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code LTSI50 at factormeals.com slash LTSI50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. I am someone who has reached the ripe age of 36 and still has no idea how to pack effectively. I am always a stress case, just standing (laughs) over my suitcase, trying to pack for my next trip. And, you know, sometimes I need help. That's when we realize we need to say hello to Quince. It's your new go-to for high-quality vacation essentials you'll be packing for years to come. Oh, they have such good stuff, like premium European linen dresses. Just think about walking along the water in a linen dress or a blouse or shorts from $30. Linen, did I mention Mm, linen? Yeah. Also washable silk tops, premium luggage options at incredible prices, and so much more. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I personally have been absolutely obsessed with the Quince all-day neoprene duffel bag that I got. I have been using it constantly. It's perfect. It's so cute. It fits so much. It even has like an extra place for your keys and wallet. It just makes everything easy. Cannot recommend enough. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials with Quince. Go to quince.com slash LTSI for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash LTSI. And we are back. Another couple that gravitates towards each other pretty quickly are Mal and Lexi. Really interesting combo. I didn't picture them. If I had like just watching the first episode and I'd be like, okay, who is matching up? I would not picture Lexi with Mal. No, I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have either. But they do just seem to to click pretty quickly, like on on a more like cerebral level. They both are very. They're decent communicators. Yeah, yeah. They're both decent communicators. They are both. They both like to have really open conversations about the things that they want. And it also seems like neither of them are really trying to, like, jump into a new sexual relationship, which is not made explicit in the first couple episodes, but which does seem to be, like, underlyingly there. Which is weird because one of them's the ultimatum giver and the other one is the receiver. And so you kind of—I was kind of expecting some sexual— intimacy happening, at least on to Mal to Lexi a little bit. I didn't think Lexi would kind of and do that, but there was really not. I mean, they cuddled on the couch, no, but Mal, like, Mal seems to have really drawn that line. Like she says at one yeah. time, like, I have no interest in consummating a new relationship. Well, I think what's interesting to me about the ultimatum giver versus receiver dynamic is that when you get two givers together, they're ready to like jump into something new <laughs> because they're both yeah. just so ready for commitment. And when you get two people who are receivers Received. together, sometimes they also are like, well, this is our chance to fuck around and like be selfish. But when you get the cross, like giver receiver dynamic, often they just need to work on their, they're like, this is a chance to work on my communication with someone who is different. From yeah. Me. They like, right. like don't touch each other. Yeah. All of those really relationships, don't. all three of them they don't. <laughs> are just about working on communication and Mal and Lexi both have like pretty good communication. So they're just like, look at us. Like you're amazing at communication. I'm amazing at communication. We're so amazing together. We're best friends. Yeah. It felt like, almost platonic between Mal and Lexi, even though they also clearly were attracted to each other. But they, it, it felt like they were like, yeah, you're my new best friend. We're so close. We're going to cuddle on the couch. We're not going to make out at all. But we're going to talk really openly about how we could totally see building a life together. Like, yeah, I don't know. It was very interesting. For me, their coupledom in that three weeks was very much so about their significant others. Whereas the other people I felt like were like, okay, let's try this for us. Like at least Vanessa and Ray were kind of like kind of focusing on themselves a little bit. So I I give them a little bit of credit for that. But I felt like Mal and Lexi were just always like, well, what are what are they doing? What are the other people doing? What's happening? You know, like what's going on? And I think I think a lot of that was was on Lexi, who ultimately becomes extremely obsessed with hating Vanessa. Yeah, we need to talk about the the Lexi, Ray and Vanessa dating period love triangle. Like Vanessa basically tries to pursue both Lexi and Ray and it becomes tense. They both are just like completely bowled over by Vanessa's charm offensive to begin with. And even like very quickly, some people like Yoli 
don't like Vanessa. She's got this very, like, aggressive energy. Like, it, there's always this sense that, like, she doesn't maybe, like, quite notice other people's boundaries or whether her behavior is making them uncomfortable. Like, at the evening mingle, when they're all starting to get to know each other, she asks Yoli, like, in front of the whole group, who her top pick is, and then suggests that she start a throuple with Mal and Xander. And Yoli is just like, why are you, you. acting this way <laughs> toward yeah. me? Um, but Lexi and Ray are both really drawn in because Vanessa just, like, showers them each with compliments and, like, brings the sort of mani- manic pixie dream girl, like, energy. And She's got the personality of the cast, obviously. Like, and I don't mean that necessarily <laughs> in a good or bad way, but she's the loudest. It's very easy in an awkward situation when you're meeting new people to kind of fall for the person that's going to keep the conversation going. And, you know, she does ask questions yes. and stuff. So it's like, I do see that kind of draw. I mean, I think Vanessa's oh, actions oh, yeah. are just see... deeply insecure. <laughs> but, like, you do see why, like, Vanessa would be attractive to people. Like, I do understand that because it's like, oh. she's the personality. You know what I mean? Like, Ray yeah. kind 100%. of fades in the background. And it's so bit. validating to have that directed at you. Right. Like, and especially for Ray, Vanessa, you know, I mean, Ray, at one point, Vanessa asked her for three things that Ray loves about herself, and Ray can't think of any, or she can think of, like, And Vanessa's like, I'll tell you three things I love about you. And I was like, that's sweet. I was like, good on you, Vanessa. I was like, that's really nice. Like, not everyone has the most, like, award-winning, outgoing personality. And so when you can kind of do that and bring the other person out of their shell, that's why I liked Vanessa. And I like that they partnered up together, actually. Like... And I don't hate Vanessa as much as everyone else does. I, I don't either. I don't <laughs> no, either. I get to talk about how how Lexi decides that she hates Vanessa because Lexi <laughs> is really feeling Vanessa. They're like flirting. She's like clearly very flattered by Vanessa's attention. She's intrigued by her. And then they have this last date where Lexi is like, I need to press Vanessa on whether she really wants marriage at all. And like, I feel like I there's something about her I can't figure out. So she tries to express to Vanessa that she is going to trust her. She sees a future with her. And right. then she's like, well, what do you think about potentially marrying me? And Vanessa is like, I don't know about marriage, like, at all. I think maybe I don't want to grow closer to anyone. And I have no desire for stability. And Lexi is like, well, would you want to be with someone who has stability? And Vanessa kind of, like, sticks her tongue out in disgust, like, Bleh. And... And she's like, you know, I'm up for a trial marriage. Like, it's a new experience. But when I get bored, I'm bored. Like, I don't want to lock myself in. Huge misstep. And like then, Vanessa, Huge misstep, but, but honest. Ugh. At least it's honest. It, it like, she's honest. not trying to placate Lexi. She's being like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> you know, like, but, I kind but, of appreciate that. Like, okay. You but know? then she says something that I, I found really horrifying. She's like, I'm not worried about Xander finding someone else because I'm beautiful. And Xander has told me she'll be asexual with any other partner. So I just don't think I'm at risk of losing Xander. That's a misstep. That's a misstep Terrible. Terrible. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And and I completely understood why Lexi was very turned off by this. You know, she says like, okay, so you are here with the understanding that this is just a fun time for you and you have nothing to risk because your partner will never possibly leave you. And I was like, that is an astute and correct observation about Vanessa. And I do think that she came into the experience being like, I'm fun, I'm bubbly, I can rely on my charm, and Xander will end this as obsessed with me as 
Xander entered this. And so, like... They're both calling each other And that is, like, very... Yeah. Yeah. And that is very off-putting to to other people in this experience, unsurprisingly. Yeah. Lexi is... Has... But this is the thing. Lexi is exactly the worst person to reveal this to because Lexi has such strong reactions and, like, trusts her own judgment so much. So the minute that she, like, sees something that she doesn't like in Vanessa, she's like, trust broken, faith misplaced as hell. It's a lie world. Vanessa's a fake person. She's like Voldemort to me. Yeah. I thought it was so funny that she was like, Vanessa's a fake person. So I'm like, I don't know. Vanessa really seemed to be to the say realest person there. Like, clearly. Yeah. Like, sh- like, she said something that was horrifying to you and clearly indicated that she is not a good partner for you or like maybe for anyone but a bad here. person but that wasn't fake like right it wasn't fake like i would rather have a conversation with vanessa than let's say like an aussie who you know as it turns out and obviously we're gonna get there but like really wasn't there to experience anything or grow or learn or anything like that like at least with vanessa kind of what you see is what you get like it's chaotic and you might say that partner isn't for me but like Lexi just harps on Vanessa so much. And I'm like, I don't think she deserves that. Like, relax. Like, she just said something that wasn't for you, but that doesn't make her a horrible person. You know what I mean? Like, it just, it felt an overreaction to me, even though I think Vanessa was, is annoying. Like, I I don't think she's a horrible person for what she was saying. It did feel like a little, it did start to feel like an overreaction. I do think that, like, there are different ways of being kind of fake. And I think that if you're showering people with compliments and, like, making them feel really chosen and special, and then you let it slip that, like, none of it means anything to you, I do think that that comes across as not genuine at all. Totally. That's, that's a good, that's true. That's absolutely that's, right. I, I, I absolutely agree with that. And I will say that during this couple episodes, I was, like, very put off by Vanessa I think what I wouldn't started to like, no. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I was like Vanessa is someone who seems annoying. I would attend a party that Vanessa was present yeah. at, that or talk fine. to her. Yeah, she honestly, she just seems like someone who doesn't have their shit together because I feel like this was her first relationship. And to our point about when we were kind of talking, like their meet cute between Xander and Vanessa is really what's keeping them together. And she doesn't know who she is. Like she just doesn't. She doesn't know any of that. I don't think she has any sense of self outside of the idea that she deserves to be adored and having a partner who just, she can be like, well, that person just loves me so much. Like, she doesn't have to provide anything for herself. And like... Which she does learn and say about later, like in the eighth episode or something. Yeah, and she she actually does seem to have some amount of awareness of this pattern. Um, But it just the level of collective hatred that the group develops towards Vanessa started yeah. to make me feel defensive of me her. Too. We're still, at, we're still so at the point in we're the episode when, yeah. like, the snowball is rolling down the hill, gathering yeah. up snow. Like, we're seeing these moments when people are annoyed by Vanessa. And then we hit a point later in the season where you're like, was there just a huge accumulation of this stuff on and off screen that made them all hate her? Or... Are they like getting into a mob mentality? And it's and it's it's hard always tell. hard to parse, of course. But at on this these. point, I Vanessa will say, is still two years later, and two years later, like Yoli and Lexi are making TikToks, like calling her Voldemort, right? And it's and, like, like it's like the jokes on about, you because she's living rent like, free in your fucking heads. Like it's just like like, I don't like know, get man, over it. Down. And it's also like 
I just don't like when women do that to each other, especially like, you know, it's like, see a little, if you want to be mature, see past this and be like, I feel bad for her because she doesn't really know what she wants and this and that. Like Vanessa never really did anything to anybody. She didn't, she didn't do. Except arguably Xander. Well, yeah, but okay. But that's like, that's Xander Xander. and her to, but like everyone else, Xander doesn't hate her. So like the fact that everyone hates her, I'm like, she didn't really like, Again, she might be a bad partner, but a bad person. I I, I, I I, felt bad for her a little bit, honestly. She was very ganged up on, and I thought handled it decently well. Decently well. So she does have a rough go at the choice day. They all sit around a table. <laughs> Joanna is, of course, presiding, I guess. There. I don't really remember she's at Joanna the, she's saying there. She's at the table. She was there. Yeah. They they have honestly barely begun when Vanessa does start acting out. Like Xander briefly oh, mentioned God. someone that they dated from Bumble, and Vanessa starts being like, "Who is this? Sorry, I just yeah, I just haven't heard bad. about this person. I that was I'm bad. sorry, you've just never told me before. I don't know. I don't, <laughs> fuck you, Xander. I right. was like, oh my God, Vanessa. Like well, everyone you tell her again, shit's crumbling again at at this yeah at this point at this point I I was not into her no. uh, and her behavior was bad. It was bad behavior. It's just like and making a public scene with your partner. And I do see why Xander, as uh, Xander told uh, Vanessa when Vanessa realized that Xander was going to choose Yoli, Xander was like, you and Yoli are actually pretty similar. And they both do have this willingness to just sort of make a public scene with their partner at these ceremonies in a way that is uncomfortable for everyone. Yoli would would not appreciate the comparison, but it is kind of true. The Uh, thing is that Vanessa actually has quality overlap with both Yoli and Lexi. Yeah, yeah, which is why there is tension. Uh, Xander and Yoli do choose each other. When it's Vanessa's turn, Vanessa also... Basically, it goes to Mal, like, Mal, you've been in my top three this whole time. And Mal's like, we've spoken once. And it's a no for me. Uh, I just decided that very quickly. It's definitely a no. And there was just something about it that seemed off, too, that, like, I was like... (sighs) In this moment, it seems like Mal is reacting in this sense that, like... They, that that she feels that Vanessa is being sort of presumptuous. It's like you haven't even been like going on dates with me, and you think you can sit here and act like we have some sort of connection. I'm like, I think that there is this way in which a lot of what's going on with Vanessa is people just feeling like in these ways that are kind of small and not that damaging, not that harmful. They do feel like she's kind of like trampling on their boundaries and like presuming things about her relationship with them. And that they just, that, like, they start to realize that everyone is annoyed in the same way. And so they feel, like, empowered to, like... Oh, and that's totally satisfying also. (laughs) Like, who doesn't love to to realize that you have a common enemy? I do. I I have empathy for the infectiousness of that feeling yeah nothing brings people closer Uh, together than hating the same things it's true no i i it's one of my hobbies honestly um vanessa also speaks about lexi and she's like you're just so marriage driven and 
Lexi calls Vanessa out. She's like, I felt gaslit by you. You have nothing to give anyone in this process. I'm, I'm sorry. Again, like, yet Lexi, another over, overuse of the term gaslight. I'm like, again, that term has a meaning. It needs to it go. That that people use it all the time for being they just don't understand what it is. Like you know, that and yeah. the and the word surreal, people like don't understand that meaning. They just say it all the time. And I'm like, <laughs> not everything can be surreal. Not everything. <laughs> it can't be. It can't be. It can't be. Words have meanings. Words have meanings. Right. And in theory, yeah. Vanessa was actually kind of honest with Lexi. Like, for better or for worse. Like, she was saying, like, this is what I want or this is what I don't want. And, like... I think Lexi felt maybe, like, manipulated by their interaction or felt, like, taken yeah. advantage of. Like, or, this like, is again, the thing. these are all is real things. gaslighting every time that someone kind of love bombs you and then is like, oh, but I would never want anything serious. That might make you feel manipulated, betrayed, yeah, even but, a little crazy. Yeah. Gaslit. It's just not, ain't it. It's not gaslighting. Yes, it's not that. Correct. <sighs> uh, and then everyone starts just jumping on Vanessa. Mildred is like, you've been telling Xander to fuck off all night. Like, you need to stop. Xander is like, no one else understands Vanessa like I do, and that's why I love her. And I'm like, Xander, that is not a good reason to love someone. You need to think carefully about what you just said. Yeah. Well, to be clear, they should break up. They definitely should break up. Vanessa and Ray choose each other. Mal and Lexi choose each other. Aussie and Mildred choose each other. And this leaves Tiff and Sam, who have been dating, um, but it seems like Tiff is not feeling super good about the situation. They do, they, they are like, I choose Sam, Sam is so open, Sam is so sweet in the way she communicates. But as, as they're announcing this choice, Tiff just like has a meltdown and is like, I just can't do this, I just want Mildred, I love Mildred so much. Then Tiff and Mildred both cry and they both have to leave to like gather themselves. And then it's like But they well, do not leave together. <laughs> no, they're I just guess like, Tiff okay, and Sam now that we've done now. that. Yeah. Uh, Sam has is an angel. Sam has an, a lot of patience. Yeah. And with that, they're all sent off on their trial marriages. Let's just go over some of kind of the the vibes and highlights of each trial marriage. Xander and Yoli. I mean, these two just like straight up fall in love immediately. They cuddle, they have sex, they're romantic. They're like, I love you. I mean, they are just. They're like, I'm in love with you. Imagine us on a beach in Hawaii. They're you, Your soft lips. Oh, yeah. Yes, they are. For the stereotype, a better word, it exists. And this is the perfect example of like a case study of pretty much how. Like, lesbian, but also queer, female-based queer, but, like, definitely lesbian relationships, like, absolutely get going. It's full throttle. You're talking about kids. You're talking about retirement, you know, in your first oh, date. they're looking at each other's bank accounts, right. apparently. I'm like, I'm like yeah. they've, what? they've seen insur- health insurance plans. Like, they are just there. Yeah. Really committed to each yes. other, basically, immediately. Yes. Yeah, I felt so bad for Mal watching this because this is exactly Mal so was bad. like Yoli. I know my lover. She falls in love wherever she's watering the grass, and like within a week of going over to water Xander's grass, Yoli is like, "I'm in love with Xander. We are lovers." Yeah, like wild. I see a life with with Xander, and Xander. I don't think was expecting this at all, but is like, oh my God, I I have chemistry with someone who 
wants to actually have a life with me and take care of me and not just like be admired all the time. Uh, it feels right. Kind of Xander amazing. didn't really believe that she could have a spark with anyone but Vanessa. Like she's clearly convinced herself of this. So the yeah. minute she has a spark with someone who seems like maybe a better fit, it's like zero to whatever. And it's the classic first love problem. Oh, I was going to say, if you think about it, like Xander, their meet cute with Vanessa, it's like, yeah, I'm not out. And no one knows I'm gay, but like, yes, I am. And like, you're the first person to recognize. So let's be together. And then all of a sudden she's thrown into this like trial marriage with somebody. It's like, well, no wonder. Like, everything's the first time for Xander in a lot of ways here, outside of just, like, having into, like having sex with uh, another woman. Like, there, there's a lot of first times in a relationship here. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I thought it was telling that when we met Xander's friend, when Xander's good friend meets Yoli, Xander's friend is just like, I love you two together. Yoli, you seem amazing. Vanessa, I'm not going to say I dislike Vanessa, but like she's not genuine when she's not in her comfort zone. She acts up. It's always me, me, me. Like she seems extremely over Vanessa's whole shtick. Yeah. And that always makes me feel kind of less sympathetic to people, to be honest, because I'm like, this person knows Vanessa outside of the edit she's getting on the show. Yeah. And and to me, I, I feel like pretty clear on like Xander and Vanessa are not good together and Vanessa has not been historically a good partner to Xander, even if they both love each other. I think that's pretty clear. Like they should break up. I don't think that means Vanessa is like Voldemort, but right. I do think that clearly she has not shown up correctly for Xander and Xander should like, deserves someone who will. Yeah, I think people often forget that, like, it's not like a successful relationship has to end in marriage. It's not like The Bachelor. It's not like it has to end in marriage with kids and all that stuff. Like, I've had plenty of relationships that didn't work out, but I'd still consider them successful because I got to learn so much about what I don't want or what I do want. And I learned a lot about myself. And, like, I'm still friends with some of my exes. Like, I do think that that's really important. And especially for Xander here and Vanessa, it's like they needed to really separate like that, that couple especially really needed to separate to figure out what the fuck yeah. was going on with them. And they could still have had a successful relationship. It just isn't meant to be. It's just not forever. That's okay. You know, like it's, it doesn't make anyone yeah. a bad person. People forget that. Like, they just, they just need compatible. to not be together right. and that's okay. And that's good. Yeah, fine. And I hope they both find the thing. I think Vanessa needs to not be with anyone for a while because like Vanessa's recounting of the relationship she's been in is like, I've just been blessed to be with so many people who have just loved the shit out of me and not demanded nothing, not ask anything for me. And I'm fine with that. Like I give them nothing. All I need to give them is the gift of my amazing presence. Cause I'm so hot. I'm so beautiful. I'm so fun. Right. And that's really not a mindset of someone who is prepared to, to be a good partner. Be a good partner. Like, that is the mindset that leads to you being, like, acting up and, totally. and acting, like, attention-seeking and narcissistic whenever you're in an uncomfortable and, situation. And you make a good point. Absolutely. I don't think she's the only one, though, that needs to be single. Of all of these, of these 10 <laughs> oh, no. contestants, oh, you know, no. like, I think Tiff needs to be single for a little bit. I even think Mal needs to be single for a little bit. I mean, I think they all... Ozzy, I don't I think, think is think... capable of being in a relationship at all no. where Ozzy is right now. Like, where yeah. Ozzy is in this moment. It, it ain't happening Watching, I was like, oh, all these people should probably break All of them. Literally, yeah. like, all of them. Because, like, even Tiff 
I'm, I'm sure we're going to get there, like fighting about like the dog in the bed. It's like, yeah, we're going to tip. We're going to get, you there. know, like you got to it's compromise. Like, come on. Yeah. No, they they all wouldn't be here probably if they didn't need to be. They'd be married single for the most part. Right. Uh, yeah. Mal and Lexi, we've talked a little bit about their dynamic already, which I I almost thought that they approached it sort of in a business like way. Like they were like, yeah, this I is think that's the, accurate. This is the 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 job I've been given by the show is to be with someone else. Be with someone else and like do the best I can at it and like be the best partner I can to this person while we're together. Yeah, these are both A A students. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And then at the end, I'm going to come to my partner and be like, here's what I have learned and how I'm ready to be a better yes. partner to you because of the time I spent with this other wonderful person. There are times when it seems like they're each kind of like they're talking like they're investing more into it. Like Mal very quickly is like, you've made me understand that marriage can be a partnership. I could see being married to you quickly. I could see leaving engaged with you. At the end, Lexi tells Mal, like, you're one of my soulmates. But it doesn't really seem real to me. Like, it doesn't or ever not, seem no. like it's it's threatening their I, commitment. I do not see any romance there. No. I see two people who are like, we're in it. We admire each other. We're students we of this experiment. Other. Yeah, we're students <laughs> of this experiment. Right. And they're like therefore lab we partners. They're but like, like yeah. I'm so glad I've been paired with this other yes. A student to do this lab project. But as you said, Darren, like they're both thinking a lot about what their partners are doing. Are or yeah, to. their ex partners yeah. are doing. Their ex ex who are just living rent free, especially Lexi, like in their head. And it's just like, you know, they didn't give the experiment a shot in their own way, too, by being so rigorous about being students of this experiment. You know, like I don't think I don't think Lexi or Mal really went into it being like, I'm going to try to see if I can love this other person or at least like this other person or date this other person. I'm just doing this to bide time until my partner decides what they want to do. That's how I kind of read it, you know, and that's also kind of not participating in the experiment in a way. Yeah, I think they picked kind of safe partners for each other. Yeah, they didn't challenge them on certain things, you know, like yeah, they both just like really admired each other's qualities a lot. And were just constantly affirming each other. And so they didn't really ask each other to like, grow in any of the ways that they are a challenge for their long term partners. Right, exactly. And also, can we talk about Mal's friend? (laughs) Who is just like, what? The fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Leave it to friends to keep your character. Like, I oh always God. just Kiss think. Friends, can, like, yeah. Friends are character keepers. Like, they can totally just call you out being like, I know that you're in this and, like, good on you and I support you, but, like, what's going on? Like, objectively, this is weird. <laughs> you know, like, objectively, what are you doing? Yeah, Lexi is saying these things like we're going to be in each other's lives forever. Like, we just are so compatible. And Valisha's giving her this look like, Okay, <laughs> random twenty-four-year-old. Like, how how old just are you? Yeah, right, right. Like you're. At one point, she 24? says, when she learns she's twenty-four, she's like, "Well, that's just a red flag out there <laughs> waving in the wind. I'm gonna leave that there." <laughs> and I'm like, "Good on you. You're the only one who's like just calling it out." Like, and you know, to some extent, like I do believe age can be just a number. Like I do think there are some twenty-four-year-olds out there who are really ready for that commitment and know what they want. I don't want to, like, take that Lexi away. very 24. But Lexi is just, like, so adamant on it, and she's, she feels like she's, like, an expert on her own life, and that can just make you so, like, your focus is so myopic that you can't possibly see that it actually, you might be wrong. Like, she's so yeah, not think, open to anything else. 
She's the classic, like, the kind of 24-year-old who's always been told she's so mature for her age. Right. Because she is very sure of herself. Like, the, she yeah. has a confidence and a certainty about her own rightness that yeah. is easily mistaken for maturity. But actually, it can be a hallmark of immaturity. A 100%. Definitely, because yeah. she's not, she can't think outside the box. You know, she, again, she's just so narrowly focused that it just, that yeah. causes a lot of strife. And like Ray is the op, like Ray, Ray's immaturity shows up as not really knowing what she wants. Too but vague. you need kind of a balance. Yeah. Yeah. Within yourself. Um, so Ray and Vanessa, meanwhile, are in their trial marriage, which is just, like, the only thing Lexi thinks about, because she's, like, my worst enemy is in a trial marriage with my future wife and, like, is going to ruin my life. Ray and Vanessa are... I've seen really mixed opinions, I guess, about whether Mm. this was a good pairing for a trial marriage. So I'm curious... I'm interested, Darren, that you said that they were a good match for this. I'd love to hear more about... Why? I, I don't really see them matching up with anyone else because Ray is such a wallflower to me. Like, and I don't mean that insultingly. She just mm-hmm. is like, she, you kind of forget that she's there. Like t- for me sometimes, cause it's not like she doesn't say a lot. You don't really ever know what she's thinking. I don't think she knows what she's thinking. Classic example of I before I love you. So to me, at least Vanessa, who has her own insecurities and her own, they all have their own problems, right? Like none of these people are perfect. None of us are perfect. So I'm not trying to say, but like, I think Vanessa's outgoingness and her ability to kind of like ask hard questions sometimes and pull it out of people is helpful for Ray. I do think that that is like in a way that Lexi can't, because I think Ray is so intimidated by Lexi. And I think she's so scared of Lexi in a way that she's not really with Vanessa. So I do think that she was kind of able to open up. I think that in their matching ceremony when they're all at the table, them kind of, it's funny because they're always like, I think you'd make a perfect wife. And I was like, based on like, what, 48 hours of conversation? Like none of you guys (laughs) respect marriage at all, but that's fine. That's neither not here nor there. And also none of you believe anything. Right, like this is all bull. Like I was just like, okay, this is annoying, whatever, but I'm just going to (laughs) like buy into it because I think you do need to buy into the, like you need to buy into this in order to like watch it. So I'm buying into it, even though I'm watching it a little ironically. But I think it was kind of helpful for Vanessa to really, like, fight for Ray in those conversations to help Ray kind of be like, maybe I am worth it. You know, maybe maybe, maybe Lexi isn't, doesn't need to tell me everything that I need to do. You know, there is another person here who, like, is bringing this out on me. And so, like, while I could see the argument of them being bad for each other, I do think they actually, you know, when push comes to shove after eight episodes, they did really learn about each other, you know, and they did— they were intimate, even though it meant nothing, and they're not attracted to each other, and they're just friends, according well, to Vanessa. Vanessa's not attracted <laughs> yeah. to Ray. Okay. According to Vanessa. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, another lie. Right. But yeah, I, that uh, was really bizarre. That was that was bizarre, and I sort of felt bad for Ray, but I also, so like, maybe Ray believes that, too. Like, maybe maybe there wasn't there wasn't a lot of pressure there for Ray. And it's she, also, they, they were one where I was like, I wanted, I wish we saw more, yeah. because I don't really feel like I understand. Like, so much was made of the one physical encounter because it was such a, like, lightning rod for drama. But we didn't really see that much of their just, like, conversations about relationships or, like, any of the... I mean, understandably, like, there's, like, a lot of couples to follow. But, like, I, I don't know. Vanessa... Vanessa gave an interview, I think, maybe in 
EW or something. And she was saying like, they actually did give each other a lot of really solid advice. And she's like, we, we had somewhat similar issues in our partnerships. And so we were sort of giving each other advice that was like advice for ourselves. Yeah. Um, and I saw Ray has also posted a bit being like, yeah, there were moments where I like regretted the partnership, but also like, I think a lot of growth came out of it that was good for me. So like, I, yeah. I don't know. To it's me they it's have, complicated. They do have a complicated dynamic. Like, I think that the way that Vanessa seems good for Ray is, is, you know, clear from, from what you guys are saying. And, and, and that like Ray needs to like see someone who who owns her decisions, even if they are not necessarily healthy for a partnership that like, yeah, what it doesn't looks force like to her kind of to make a decision too. like Vanessa is less forceful than Lexi to But me. like at the same time, that's where I had a problem. I was like, Vanessa is kind of forceful. That's where I see a similarity with Vanessa and Lexi is they're forceful in different ways. Like Vanessa doesn't want to be married, but she, she is like boundary pushing. She is like, not that concerned about whether Ray is comfortable in the moment. And yeah. she is just kind of doing what she wants to do. And that I that gave me some... It- <sighs> yeah, my, my issue with the two of them came in, like, their communication styles when things got uncomfortable and difficult. Like, in the morning, they do have this hookup. Um, Ray tells Lexi so about it. <gasps> Lexi gets very upset. And the next morning, Ray is trying to share this with Vanessa. And Vanessa cannot read the room, read her partner, and get onto the emotional plane that Ray needs her to. And so what she ends up doing is really dismissing her pain and her emotions. And to me, it's like in those moments where you're like, Vanessa, you are not equipped to care for another person. And this is like, this is kind of fun. I I agree with that. Ray says to Vanessa, like, I don't understand why anyone likes me, to be honest. And I don't know how to explain what I did. And Vanessa's response to that kind of, like, huge vulnerability revelation yeah. is yeah. like, well, did you remind her how fucking hot I am? Yeah, no. And and Vanessa's like, Vanessa, all about herself. About oh, that was terrible. No, that, and that, that was really And she terrible. definitely has cringe moments. Also, their sexual encounter. Well, first off, you can tell from Vanessa that she views sex in, like, these different planes because they— finger she fingered her but then later on when we when she's trying to get from xander like how far they got she's like did you have sex with your mouth so she obviously doesn't view fingering as that big of a deal it also made it seem like it was like an accident like the way that they were describing was like yeah my finger just like accidentally went there and i was like how does that happen vanessa frames it right not very good at taking ownership of what happened i will say that clearly that didn't happen we we Get some unnecessary overhead footage of this hookup, and like a finger doesn't accidentally not seem happen. Accidental, no. Yeah. And but to your point, like because she's so incapable, Vanessa. I mean, about maybe like owning up to certain things. It's sort of the opposite of Lexi, and so I think in that way it helps her sort of Ray appreciate or not appreciate what Lexi is sort of bringing to the table and in turn can help her figure Mm -hmm. out her own self. So it's like for better or for worse, I do think that they got to learn a lot from each other because Vanessa is so different than Lexi. Yeah. I do wonder like what it would have looked like for Ray to be with someone who was steadier than Vanessa and less forceful than Lexi because- Like Mal. 
like because Mal. I like yeah. Mal, because I do think that the way that Ray has these deep insecurities about whether she's lovable and Vanessa is basically like, yeah, I feel nothing for Ray. She's nice. I'm not attracted to her. I had sex with her, but it I didn't like even it's not because I was like into her. Like to me, that seems like designed to almost like trigger Ray's insecurities about herself rather than like advance her accepting of herself yeah. in a healthy way. Like there are these the, the these like dynamics through which I'm just like this does seem really unhealthy for Ray. But I do think there are also points in which they I learn from yeah, each it's other. A, a very much a mixed bag I, for these two. To your both of your points, I actually would have loved to see Voldemort aside, Lexi and <laughs> Vanessa get together. Me too. Like, I would have really liked yeah. that. My, like, you know? my chaos parents, yes. like, give, give Ray <laughs> the safety of Mal and just, yes. just force Lexi and Vanessa Do it. to live with each other for three yeah. weeks. Like, I want to see those conversations. Right, when absolutely. Vanessa also, like, tries to explain what happened on the group night out when they're questioning her about it, she's basically just like, well, Ray led her hand to my vagina. And, like, and you're I like, don't even know why we did it. But Ray did it. Right, as if she has like, no autonomy or no personal responsibility. And just like, because Ray yeah. wanted it, I just did it. And it's like, come on. Like, you have and to be I, better again, than that. It's just... But I think reads that, that utter bullshit. Yeah, also. absolutely. But I but that is again a place where I see similarity with Lexi, where like every conversation with Lexi turns into not what Lexi has done to contribute to the dynamic. It's always like what Ray has done the to wrong person. Lexi, and now she's just with another person who can't take accountability and wants Ray to spend all her time taking all the accountability. Yeah, that just that that bugged me a little bit. And then they meet Vanessa's dad. Who is a character? And you can you can tell where she gets it from. You can tell where she gets her very mixed feelings about marriage. He tells directly from her father. He tells them that marriage should only last for seven years because people used to die when they were thirty. And I just want to say, for a public education perspective, that is a myth. People did not all die when they were thirty. Yeah, I, they okay. Let died me just in say, huge numbers as babies, and that really dragged I down the life think expectancy. He's, like that might have been wrong. I don't think he's wrong by saying that marriage should be a contract that you do kind of agree to either renew or not after a certain period I actually of thought time. That was, like I was kind of into that's that. Act, like the re- there's a reason the divorce rate is so high. You know, we can't automatically assume that once you're married, it's all sunny and and roses and rainbows. Like, there is a reason that the divorce rate is so high. And I think if more people looked at it like that, of being like, okay, let's reevaluate our values. Like, people do change. You know, people want different things over time. The person you marry at 25 isn't the person maybe at 55. And that's okay. That doesn't mean that you're wrong or you're disavowing, like... Or a failure. Or a failure. Like, I, I, I actually thought his advice outside of, like, people die at 17 for the last 100 years... I do think he offered a little bit of insight that might actually help a lot of people that I think so many people view marriage as so scary, specifically in these cast members, because they're like, it's forever or not. You're, it's either forever or you're a failure. And it's like, that's not really what it is. You know, like, like that that's not what it is. It's I. So two things. One is like if you're having children, the idea of being like, all right, we've got a two and a four year old time to reevaluate if we want to stay married. That seems like risk, like, that almost seems not like a solution to me. Like, I feel like if the marriage is just a partnership, I that does make sense. But if you're, like, having children together, it makes sense to me to have a commitment that you are 
hoping and aspiring to keep and not just like a maybe we'll re-up in seven years. In a perfect world, yes. But I don't think I don't think if you have a bad partnership, whether or not you have kids, and I have personal experience with this, staying together when you're a bad couple can be just as bad for kids rather than having commitment. So it's like that. And so it might just be like, should we open up the marriage or should we do this? I feel like also what he was what he was getting at was just that like these things can be scary and they can and, be changed and, and they can giving, change and that you, and they can change and that you are allowed to be selfish in the decisions you're making before you head into this commitment and i feel like what we got from that was just like oh this is where vanessa's feelings come from like yeah, it was very right. instructive in that way and i think later we see when they go back to their original partners Vanessa's dad's similarities to her allow him to actually really assess what's going on with her. Yes. In the latter half of that was eye opening. And, yeah, and that was right. and important. Yeah. Yeah. It was eye opening and impressive. And you also yeah. can't help who your parents are. So, like, no wonder Vanessa has grown up yeah. with that sort of like, and I don't think it's bad, but I think it definitely influences her. And like, she can't really help who she is. She is responsible for who she is, however. And so that's really what she's kind of coming to terms with now. Yeah. I I think that he brings, like, definitely it's true that it's good to be selfish when you're preparing to make that decision. I think he's giving that advice to the wrong people (laughs) who are already, like, thinking in that way. Like, I I think Xander needs to hear that Xander needs to be a little more selfish before making this decision. He also says, like, from being in IT, I know that 99% right is 100% wrong. And I'm like, that's just not how humans Right, and I'm like, 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 that's what IT is? Because, like, I've been on the phone with (laughs) IT for a long time and they're not fixing my shit. Like, what are you talking about? Like, not sure that's right. Like, yeah, uh, they're just putting patches on everything and hoping for the best, like wing and a prayer. Uh, yeah, Ugh. totally. Let's talk about Tiff and Sam. Yeah. And the so husky. And the, the dog. Husky. The, the third dog. member of the relationship. Shiloh? Yeah, Shiloh. <laughs> Such a good dog name. Shiloh. Love it. Love it. So they run into issues very quickly because of the husky. They have this like queen size bed that they are sleeping together in because they are married. And Tiff, like, the first night tells Sam, basically, I need to sleep with my dog. That is my baby. That is what my baby that is deserves. That's a deal breaker. Yeah, That's like- a deal breaker. And Sam is like, well, I just, I, I love dogs. I'm not sure about my legs being cramped. And Tiff is like, fine. <laughs> That's a problem. I'm sleeping on the couch with my dog. And you're rejecting my dog. You're not treating my dog with all the love and care that my dog deserves. I think you're a cold person. <laughs> and Sam is like, well, actually, I really like animals. And Tiff is like, that's a lie. I find that hard By the to way, believe. though, poor Sam yeah. went from, like, one avoidant relationship to kind of another avoidant relationship. I'm like, oh, my God. Between Ozzy and Tiff, Sam cannot catch a but fucking break but this here. Is, this was fascinating to me though because Sam picked them Sam and Tiff it is in a sense recreating the dynamics that they had experienced before but like they are both the more like mild partner on that scale yeah and so it was actually ended up ultimately being instructive for the two of them because it encouraged Sam to be able to express her frustrations and what she needed. And she then was met with a partner who didn't automatically just like 
leave the room. But Tiff at least is confrontational. Tiff is like, yeah, I'm not right. just going to leave. I am going to shout at you about how you are not loving my baby who deserves the world enough. And therefore, I'm like... <laughs> I was judging. like, how is this a fight? I know, I can't believe this about a red herring. And I was like, and Sam, unlike Mildred, isn't going to just break, and not that, you know, they're breaking up, but Sam isn't going to break up with her for the 9,000th time in the relationship. So they actually kind of, to your point, did get to see kind of them able to work something out. And in the result right. of that, Sam actually was able to really stand up for herself, which we do see later when Sam and Ozzy get back together, which I do really appreciate. Yeah, Tiff and, brought something there. And Tiff is like, oh, <laughs> Oh, d- oh, I hurt you. Oh, right. My yeah. the things that I'm doing have consequences. I don't appreciate, you know, being talked over. I should probably listen to you, Sam. Like, and Sam is gentle enough yes. to sort of guide Tiff to that point. And it ends up really changing the dynamic of their relationship. Like after this big explosion in the first week, they develop this like really lovely, sincere friendship. And I grew to just really love the both of them as individuals. What's funny is when they're in the car and they're talking about the sexy names, you know, I'm thinking (laughs) to myself, I was like, what's an unsexy name? Mildred. Like, that's what I was thinking. And I was like, oh. Mildred. (laughs) I know. I was like, Mildred is really up there with, like, Gertrude. Gertrude. Yes. Sam brought up Gertrude as a least sexy name. And Tiff goes off, like, making fun of Sam for thinking that Gertrude could be a sexy sexy. name. And I'm like, well, you're actually. And Sam wanted to say Mildred. Like, I know Sam (laughs) wanted to say it, but didn't want to be rude. And because I would have made that mistake. I would have been like, Mil Gertrude. (laughs) is a bad name but i was like oh mildred oh god yeah no offense to all the mildreds out there i'm sure you're very pretty and very awesome i just not a great name no it's no one's fault what what their name is there are a lot probably i mean look mildred is indisputably right extremely hot definitely totally absolutely but the name does not spark anything not so within much. me. Not yes. so much. Not for me. Yes. And then not for me. they meet one of the breakout stars of the show, Tiff's friend, Natasha. Who... I'm obsessed. <laughs> there is like a, there, the friends there are is the like best. a fan campaign. The There's a fan campaign to get Natasha to be the new host of the show. There's like a grassroots campaign I'd, happening. I'd buy it because at least she asked tough questions. I would believe yeah. that. I'd be like, fine, go do that. That's great. That's great. <laughs> Natasha clearly just wants Tiff and Mildred to break up because they can't communicate. So Natasha's like, I love love your dynamic together. Like, Sam, you seem so wonderful. How's your intimacy? Like, are you hooking up? And they're like, we don't. We don't hold hands. And they were like, Tiff is. Yeah, Natasha's (laughs) like, what about like holding hands? Can you just hold Sam's hand right now? And Tiff looks like a sulky teenager who like ha- is in detention or something and Natasha's yeah, like, just like it's nope. not hard I will hold Sam's hand Sam give me your hand see doesn't have to be sexual it can just be holding a hand it's great you should try it my vagina shriveled during the scene and I was just like this is the least <laughs> sexy like and I, again I think Friends, which I think they really they have like a companionate marriage at this yes. point this trial marriage does help you learn something because you aren't distracted by the sexual quality of it. In their primary relationship, that seems to be a big issue. I think that's the reason Tiff and Mildred have stayed together. Because if you're breaking up 9,000 times, essentially every week, there's no stability there. There's absolutely no stability. But when you find that sexual attraction, like, 
that, that's always going to feel new. That's always going to feel fresh. That's always going to bring you kind of back into the fold. And you're not, sex can be so distracting that you're not thinking about all the other red flags. And so in this way, I also think Sam and Tiff are good companionate trial marriage contestants in this way. Like they are sort of not distracted by the sexual quality and can actually have these conversations and push each other forward, well, which I think they do. That what concerns me is does Tiff know how to have a sexual relationship that isn't like fueled by the instability? Because it's so easy to have a hot and sexy relationship when you're constantly breaking up. Yeah. Because then you're constantly having like the, fear the adrenaline of rush of the reunion and like the oxytocin of the makeup sex. And Absolutely. like, it's very actually hard to keep the spark alive in a very stable relationship for, you know, for a lot of people. And this is not the place where Tiff is going to explore that. Yeah. That part of Tiff's journey. <laughs> yeah. Mm-mm. That's true. But it's only three weeks. So, you know, that would that would be difficult in any regard. Ozzy and Mildred. <laughs> this is a ticking time bomb. Disaster. Abandonment Dis- absolute and avoidance. Disaster. What we were talking about. Like the two just worst combinations of yeah. And I do think that the two of them probably were sort of attracted to each other initially because they do both share this like very complicated traumatic childhood yeah. like and and so i think there are similarities in that way so you can see what brought them together but then mildred is explosive and ozzy is shuts down at the slightest bare bare hint of any animosity or even any tiny hint of criticism, like just cannot handle any bit of conflict. And and Mildred is not going to have any patience for any of that stuff because because Mildred is primed to see anything as abandonment. You know, like as human beings, we're all primed to kind of see our worst fears in people. That's how our brain sort of protects us. It's not... Our brain isn't wired to, like, have fun and be happy. Our brain is wired for survival. And so she is primed to see everything as abandonment. And Ozzy is just playing right into that trap. I had to kind of laugh at the end when Ozzy does finally run away. And Mildred's like, can she throw out her trash? Like, there's tampons in here. And I was like, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like as women, we should be okay with just, like, throwing out all the tampons. Like, when, it's like when, trash. When it's Mildred something. went into the closet and was like, why is Ozzy's hamper here instead of literally eight inches to the side? Yeah, so I was like. My way. <laughs> I was like, Mildred, you got to look inside yourself and realize it's not the placement of the hamper that's causing, yeah. you know, you problems. They both had to face <sighs> their own issues with that. And and Ozzy specifically for me was a very interesting case because yes. Ozzy kind of knows that that Ozzy can't handle it. Like Ozzy, I, I feel like Ozzy's kind of discovering it in real time for Ozzy being like, I just Ozzy doesn't even know what to say. Ozzy has no idea even what to comprehend, you know? And Ozzy's argument is like, I just need more time to process this. And to be fair, I do understand that, you know, just because your partner is ready to have this conversation doesn't necessarily mean that you're ready. And the other partner needs to kind of be patient so you can work through it. But knowing that Mildred has an abandonment issue and you're just going to walk away, you're never going to get to that point with your partner. Never. It's just a really bad match. Yes. The two of them trigger yes. the worst impulses in each other. I also question Absolutely. whether Ozzy is even close enough to 
a healthy like communication style to be able to work on Ozzy's communication style because anything that challenges Ozzy creates a full shutdown in communication. And if you're not communicating, then you're not working on communication. So there's just no there's ability no space to for be, growth. It, be in a relationship at all that is functional if you cannot receive any amount of pushback, criticism, work through a misunderstanding. Like, it's just, that's not a sustainable dynamic with anyone. And so what struck me is just like, First of all, this setting is not a safe place no. for Ozzy. And so in that sense, I did understand why Ozzy re- removed Ozzy's self. Uh, Ozzy's self. self yeah. Removed Ozzy's self from the equation altogether at a certain point. Like I did understand that. But also like Ozzy just needs to be in therapy, like not on television. Badly. And it yes. And it's sad. Like, it was sad. As does Mildred. As does Mildred. As does Mildred. I was like, both of these people seem like good people who have severe trauma and are just now in a living situation where they are with another person who they are perfectly triggering, like, 100% of the time. Yeah, when you're a hammer, the whole world looks like a nail. And they're both hammers. You know, they both are kind of actually tackling it from very similar places. And I think, at the end of the day, when you strip away all the vulnerabilities and you strip away all the insecurities and all the trauma, they both actually want the same thing, which is to feel loved and be safe and live with ease and have a partner that they feel like they can be themselves around without them, you know, causing World War III. And they're yeah. both not capable of actually sitting down. And instead of saying, like, the hamper was moved eight inches, you could be like, I know I yelled at you about the hamper, but in actuality, I just feel like I can't actually talk to you because you're going to run away. And I don't I don't want a partner that runs away. They're never actually say, able to say that. I will say in Mildred's, in Mildred's defense, Mildred tries to do that and Ozzy yeah. can't engage. Can't, and so can't handle any conflict no, or criticism at all. I mean— during their, like, big group night out, Mildred asked Sam for advice. And Sam was like, well, Ozzy is very avoidant, so Ozzy needs to talk when Ozzy is not in a triggered state. And Mildred says, when is Ozzy not in a triggered state? Which is state? accurate, because she's, con- she's yeah. constantly sort triggered. Of like, constantly. I don't know. Sam is like, Ozzy needs to go listen to uh, their meditations, and maybe their friends can tell them how to behave. And Ozzy's like, Ozzy is, for-. Mildred's like, Ozzy's 42. Like, this is ridiculous to, to need this level of hand-holding to have, like, one conversation is... Which, again, is why I think that Ozzy probably needs to work on Ozzy's self before the most. being yeah. in any sort of romantic partnership. But I do see okay. a similarity in how they've both kind of built up a narrative of, like, because of my trauma, I get, to, I get to, to demand... Me. I get to demand certain things from my partner to accommodate that, and I don't really have to work on it. Like, yeah. this is how it is. I have abandonment issues. So my partner's job is to constantly cater to that. Right. I I, I can't t- talk about anything when I'm feeling triggered. So my partner's job is to constantly cater to that. Yeah. <laughs> and constantly figure out when I'm not triggered. And if not, it's their fault. And like, again, this goes back to what I said. Like, you have to say I before I, I say I love you. And Ozzy cannot say I in any way. Like, yeah. this is the... Ozzy is the most incommunicative, uncommunicative, whatever, of all of them. 
in my opinion. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I just all I've ever seen anyone incapable. who can't communicate I've, as much as Ozzy can't communicate. I've never, I've never I've seen never anything like this. And it, it ever. And it made me sad. Like, yeah. it, it made me very sad, honestly. It is. It made me sad for Ozzy, but then it also made me so sad for Sam when they do reunite. And Sam makes one very mild comment that Ozzy interprets as, as like, an attack. As an right. attack. My, head, my, head hurts, an attack. my head hurts. And it's like, yeah. What do you think a relationship my head hurts, is? Mate. I'm feeling yeah. very ticked off right now, actually, mate. Like, I need to, can we just chill? And I'm like, I mean, can you just chill and let yeah. Sam literally say a sentence about her feelings? Yeah. And it, no, I, it's I, I really want Sam to not be with Ozzy and not because I, there's a lot of love there, clearly, but I, I just don't think Ozzy is in a mental state where Ozzy can be in a healthy relationship with anyone. I don't think Ozzy's going to grow with anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Healthy relationships require dialogue and... (laughs) And confrontation. And conflict. Like, that's that's just what it is. And sitting with discomfort. And also saying to yourself, like, hey, just because I disappoint my partner or make them mad doesn't necessarily mean I'm a bad person or I did something wrong. It's like my intentions and how that other person reacts are actually two different things. And that's okay. And you just have to be like, I didn't mean to do that, but I'm sorry. You know, like I I understand why you, why you feel that way. Like you have to have, I watch couples therapy on Showtime and Orna's always like, there has to be genuine care here for the other person. Otherwise, why are you in a relationship? And like, Truer words have never been said. Ozzy cannot look past Ozzy's self to ever consider care for another person at all. They are not there. Yeah. Ozzy is not there. Ozzy, yeah, yeah Ozzy Honestly, just isn't th- there. That is the problem with like half of these relationships, at least. But Ozzy is the most extreme example. Extreme. It's so true. Um, it's like so extreme, true. extreme though. It's like yeah. This is why we keep being like, just I'll break up. Yes. I'll be alone. I'll do some soul searching. Yeah. So let's talk about the changeover and when what happens when they all reunite with their initial yeah. partners. They gather around the table again and share their trial marriage experiences. The standout moment for me in this portion is when Vanessa takes out a piece of paper with an apology written on it and reads it aloud and is, says, you know, I'm sorry if I made it seem like I was devaluing other people's goals around marriage because I was just questioning whether it was right for me. And now I'm excited for marriage because for the first time ever, I thought about it and I thought about what marriage is. And I was like, yep, sounds pretty cool. And Yoli is like, fuck your performative apology. Right. Vanessa, like, like can Vanessa hell. get a break? Like, Vanessa, actually, this 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 letter <laughs> like, was, was Vanessa being like— This is what turned the corner for me. This is when I was like, wait— is Vanessa that evil? Like, I, I don't think she I is. I didn't like her, but w- this seems extreme. Like, twice during this. Yeah, Yoli is first like, we don't accept your apology. No one wants to hear you apologize. <laughs> right, and I'm like, like what, you. what's wrong with you? Her, her, who hurt you to not even accept that this person, like, so now you're going to critique her for apologizing or learning? Like, grow up, Yoli. And, and then later... When Vanessa and Xander, when Xander is talking about, you know, her relationship with Yoli and Vanessa is clearly very hurt, understandably, because it would be hard to hear that your partner has been with someone else in a serious way. Has fallen in love with someone else. Has fallen in love with someone else. Yoli is like, um, like, how dare you? 
make this about you, yeah. Vanessa. And I'm like, the I don't know, man. Is that the point of this? Is really going through something? Can you observe that without making it about yourself? And I'm like, well, it is like, also is about, about her. Right. <laughs> it's about her because that's her romantic partner of four years. Like, why? Right. And by the way, y- y- Yoli, you're making it about you in this argument, not about them as a couple. So it's like, you're being the biggest fucking hypocrite, like known to man here. It was just like, and everyone just hates Vanessa. They just so they're hate like, her. yeah, that's they just, this is all very fair. Well, and I think it's a lot like, of it, it is it drawn just from the this sense of like once you think that Vanessa is faking it because she wants to be famous and she wants attention, then everything's right. Safe. You're never going everything to receive anything is, from her, right? Like the right. apology is performative. Oh, you suddenly are into marriage now. How convenient. You like, learned. there is just a distrust. You grew. How dare <laughs> you do that in this process of a trial <laughs> marriage of three weeks? It's like what? Like, what they do don't you- know how to see it as not calculated coming from her. Like, that is... It just... They're intimidated it, it by really her. It really turned some- me. It really turned me, though, because yeah. it made me, like, feel so sad for Vanessa. Yes. Yeah. Which is why I said I Where, think like, she handled even, it well. Even if I think... Even if I think that Vanessa and Xander should break up, which I do, even if I think Vanessa has been a very selfish partner in her relationship with Xander, which I do... Yeah. I still think that it would be deeply hard to watch someone you've been with for four years that you love be like, maybe I want to be with someone else. Like, that is just hard. Any human being, that would be very heartbreaking. Yeah, and Yoli's it, in a different place. Yoli has two people in love with her now. So she's Yeah, just, no, well, that's very thing. easy for Yoli to judge. Right. Yoli's like, everyone should just respect this process because I have all the control. Yeah. yeah. And it's great for me. Yoli became the person or is in, in, a, in a situation that they all thought Vanessa was in, where Vanessa was like, well, everyone's just going to love me because I'm pretty and I'm perfect. And now Yoli's kind Everyone of taking that you, right everyone's kind of like taking that role now and like i don't know i thought vanessa's letter was actually growth i thought that was like yeah. verbal growth like whether or not it was performative or not like i don't know when someone shows you who they are kind of like believe them and i i, I felt like vanessa was actually showing us who she was and now who she kind of became and that to your point, Emma, that kind of like turned me to for it too, where I was like, I'm 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 yeah. rooting for her a little bit now. You know, I don't like know whether it's sincere or not, but I do know that it is exceedingly ungracious to receive an apology and say, fuck you. Right. And like, to be like, that's I I don't accept it because it's performative. And what's the right way to apologize? You know, like yeah. there's plenty of wrong ways, but I feel like you could even be like, you know, we I appreciate the apology, you know, actions will speak actions louder will than speak words. Louder Let's than see how words. it goes. Yeah. Right. right. But it's just from here on out, as you said, they've made, everyone's made their decisions about Vanessa. And so every single thing Vanessa does is read in the least generous way possible moving forward. So then it's just, it's kind of hard to watch. They head into their, their reunion trial marriages and everything is in upheaval. Xander and Vanessa's power dynamic is completely subverted now. Vanessa has decided she's ready for marriage to Xander. Xander is now in love with Yoli and completely distracted by that. And It's interesting because I felt like Xander was not fully being honest with Vanessa at certain points. I agree. In yeah. this relationship. Like, not in a malicious way, but when... Xander like reunites with Yoli. She's basically like, let's do this. It's you. I want to leave with you. I'm in if you're in. I'm not writing Vanessa off because I want to be chosen, but like if you're down, I'm down. 
And then to Vanessa, she's like, yeah, I'm going to be present. Right. I'm super present here. And it's like, oh, no, you're not. It seems like Xander's people-pleasing side coming out in an ugly way, whereas Xander is being confronted by Vanessa being like, you don't love me anymore. You've turned away from me. And I've been working on making myself better for you. And Xander doesn't want to be like, yeah, sorry. Xander instead wants to be like, no, I do still love you. Nothing's really changed, right? But it's like, no, you no, you want to be with Yoli. Like you're you fully just want to be with Yoli. Right. And that seems pretty clear. And in that yeah. way, I do think Vanessa's not, I mean, sorry, you'll um Xander's not being honest with Vanessa and kind of pulling the thing that Vanessa was accused of doing in the beginning. So they've kind of like actually reversed roles by being like, you're not really being honest. You're just saying that you want to be with me. And I'm like, Vanessa had a little bit of growth here. Like, I think we should, like, all yeah. just, like, say that. That, sh- that she was the one I who think had it's, a lot of growth. Vanessa's so fascinating because I do think she had growth. And I also think the thing that her father says yeah, um, telling. is correct. I think which yeah. is that, completely right. Yeah, which is that she is Scared. all of a sudden realized that this person she thought was unconditionally hers if she wanted them is now maybe slipping away from her. And so she's panicked. And I think that it's not like some big intentional malicious plot to be like, to like pretend she wants something in order to like get her claws into Xander or whatever. But I do think that it's kind of impossible to tease out in this moment of like heightened, like the possibility of loss is so present what Vanessa actually wants. And it's just like, it's one of those things where you're like, oh, they're just not right for each other. But it's like really sad to watch people realize. That. Yeah, I think I think I think a lot of these couples are just scared to lose and change yeah. and different and have someone yeah. not be there. You know, I mean, truthfully, I think if Vanessa really weren't that way, she would say to Xander, I love you and I learned that I want to be with you, but I really want you to feel confident to be with me after all that I've put you through. So I'm going to let you figure mm-hmm. it out with Yoli and hope that you come back to me because that's really what true love is. Because then that would show she's not scared. Like, she might be scared to lose her, but she loves her more than that fear as opposed to being like, okay, you're committed. You can't talk to anyone else. Like, this is us. You're not going to do that. I'm going to look through your phone. I'm going to make sure you do that. It's like, that's based on fear. That's not really based on something that Xander wants. And that's not putting them And that is really what the tack that Mal takes. Yes. In a way that is so perfect that I was like, I would, I don't I want to date Mal. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I was like, I'm <laughs> but also I would Mal never Mal. have the strength. I would be so insecure and freaking out. So what's interesting about the Mal and Yoli dynamic to me is that Yoli proved Mal's fear is exactly correct by falling in love yes. with Xander. And that was, I think, a big part of Mal's actual reason for she not wanting right. to get engaged. But now that she's been proven right, Mal is like, I want to fight for Yoli anyway. Because Mal just doesn't, also just doesn't want to lose her. Yeah, exactly. So she's like, oh, I guess I will just compromise all the things that I said I needed. I don't, you're in love with someone else? Yeah, Mal's looking at it as a formula, being like, okay, Yoli wanted me to do the dishes and go up for grocery shopping before this, so I'm going to do that. As opposed to being like, again, those are red herrings for a much larger issue in their relationship, you know? And now Mal's like, well, I have been doing that, and I have been making the bet, and I haven't been, I have been getting up. So like, what more do you want? And you're like, well, it's heartbreaking. I know it is. Yeah. And the truth of the matter is, is it's, it is real. You know, this happens in relationships kind of all the time. And so mm-hmm. that's actually what I, even though it's like such a, 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 a 
scientific experiment, you know, of the Vanessa Lachey. And it's like such a weird dynamic. (laughs) It does go to show that fear and how human beings really do react, especially when you're in a relationship and the responsibility. This is why I say marriage is constantly hard, you know, like it is because it's never just about you. It can't just be about you. It has to be somewhat a little bit about you, but it really does have to be about the other person. And that is actually something I think the show really does bring to our public awareness of a lot of things. Oh, it definitely yeah. exposes dynamics that I think will or probably common. be, um, yeah, yeah, that will be familiar to a lot yes. of people watching. Yes. Yeah. Even if they're very hard. Yes. Very hard to watch. Yes. Yes. Uh, I really felt for Mal, but I was also Me just too. like in awe of how hard Mal tries to just be like, all right, you're in love with someone else. That this is your journey that you're going on. I still love you. We're just going to see what comes as we explore these feelings. And of course, there is an element of just like, why don't you just love me now that I'm making you breakfast? Right. But I think that's so... She chooses Anything Yoli. less would be inhuman. Like, Mal's trying so hard to be incredibly mature and supportive yeah. through this. Oh my she God. Is. In a way that I... Yeah, I was in total awe. I was like, I would probably be behaving more Badly. like Vanessa and just be. <laughs> the only thing yeah. I didn't love is when Mal kind of cornered Xander and was like, well, do you choose her? Like, because I choose her. Mm-hmm. Like, you better be like, do you choose her? And it's like, you know, Mal, this is a conversation that needs to be happening between Yoli and Xander. Xander doesn't really owe you an explanation. Like, yeah, they well, don't. I do, I do think that's where you saw that, like, Mal is hurt and angry yes. at Yoli, but knows that that hurt and anger cannot be expressed to Yoli right loser. now. If she if she wants to be with her. Right, yeah. And so instead it's like, well, okay, well, in this moment it can come out on Xander. Exactly. Yeah. And I was like, Mal, like, she doesn't owe you anything. Xander doesn't owe you anything. You know, like, no. Yeah. Yoli owes no, you something. Don't. But Xander does not. Xander is just yeah. in this experiment like all of you guys, you know? Like, and that should be respected. I, I didn't like that. Almost. And I thought Xander's answer of like, well, I'm choosing me was I totally fair. Me. And and, and truthful, you know? I mean, yeah. I'm not confident that Xander knows what that means because... Again, we were talking about Xander kind of placating both sides between Vanessa and Yoli being like, I'll be with you. Well, I'll be with you. I'm like, that's not really choosing you. That's choosing the discomfort of the moment to just like ease that Mm. discomfort. Um, So we're going to kind of see how that plays out in the last two episodes. So I don't really, I I thought that was a good answer. I'm just not confident Xander is doing that. I agree with you. you. I agree with you. My other thought about Mal and Yoli is that Mal is like, I know my partner. I know that she is like kind of flighty in love and she loves hard and she loves lots of people. So I'm just going to really play the long game and still believe that like our steadiness and our history is going to win out here. And then, yeah, Mal... You, or Yoli is a lover. Yeah. That's just, that's Yoli just part of who, Yoli thinks Yoli's in love is. after this three weeks, but after our three right. weeks, like, Yoli will be in love with me again. I think that makes sense, but it does just make me sad because the whole thing Mal wanted Same. to get out of this was to feel like to that feel wasn't special the and case. Chosen. Yeah, to feel yeah. special and not just, like, the one who was there. Also, you could just tell there's lack of trust because now, even if Mal and Yoli end up together, every time Yoli goes out with friends or with possibly other queer or gay women or, you know, non-binary. It's like, you can't trust it because, like, an instant connection, Yoli's going to fall for it and Mal's not going to be able to trust that. And so that's the thing. I've been the person who was, like, wanted to feel special and chosen and then when I felt like I would lose the person, fought really hard to keep them. And then as soon as you're steady again, 
it's the same thing. It comes creeping back in. You're just like, they want to be with someone else. They'd be happy with someone else. Like, I don't really feel chosen because that's not what happened. I felt like I was going to lose them. And so I clung onto them with my fingernails. It's it's like the phrase, like, no matter where you are, there you are. You know, unless you really, no matter what relationship you're in, if you don't work on you, you're still the same fucking person, which is why we see that in these other couples. You know, like, I'm going to be different with Mildred. And it's like, no, you're the same stupid <laughs> no, person you were before. Yeah, like, yeah, there you're you still, are. Like, work on you. You're still you. You're still you. You're absolutely still yes. you. Let's talk about Lexi and Ray. God, this was hard yes. to watch. Yes. Because Ray has clearly come back it being like, I've learned some things. I want to be with you. And Lexi has come back being like, I'm just can't stop thinking about Vanessa at yeah. any given moment. Yeah, it's like your partner's sitting right in front of you, like asking for things. And Lexi, you're too immature where you're just focusing on something that you can't help. And Ray was just part of the experiment. Like you, we all did things. She can't get over the fact that Ray had an intimacy with someone that Lexi hates. Because yeah. Lexi is of any kind. so e- controlling. Even if, even if Ray is sitting there being like, I'm here with you. I take accountability for the decisions I made. I take accountability that I hurt you, but I'm here for you. I'm still and choosing you. It's like, well, fuck you for something that you did three weeks ago. And it's like, it's like yeah. you just don't want it's, to improve. You don't want Ray to succeed. And it's so obvious that. And I think Lexi is, you know, type A and controlling and has her own insecurity for that reason too. You know, like if she's not controlling the situation, she, it's out of control. Yeah. You know, she can't trust Ray to actually like grow and change and figure that out. And maybe that happened with another person's finger inside of her. But like at the end of the day, like it's you guys are either right for each other or you're not. And it shouldn't really matter what this three week period when you both agreed to sign up for this show you know, like, yeah. and also they they did not make an agreement with each no. other. They would not be physical. But apparently, Ray did promise her unprompted. But I guess multiple Ray times said, that she would not. Oh, multiple times. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. that that's something that Lexi. No, so then, no, I I completely understand why Lexi was hurt, whether or not it broke like a greater agreement. Like that's yeah. completely normal and human. But it's just the way she's talking it's to the, Ray that yeah, really yeah, got my hackles up. It's very like. That they have these conversations where Lexi is just, like, berating her and, like, unloading on her. And she's saying things that seem very hard to move past if you're going to stay together. Like, oh, my dad loves how I treat you, but he's never liked how you treat me. And I would be like, okay, so your family doesn't like me and they don't think I'm good enough for you. That's always going to be there if we stay together. That would be my in-laws, right? Like you're using your family as a weapon against me in this conversation, yeah, right? I would and be then like, she takes Ray out think? to dinner with her parents and just like freaks out about Ray's transgressions in the third person to her parents. To her parents, while Ray's sitting right there, I was like, absolutely, do not enter into this family dynamic, right? Ray. This like, is red. I was like, this is horrible. If someone was like, my family doesn't like you, or my family doesn't like how you treat me, I'd be like, well, what do you think? do you think I treat you well? Because I'm not dating. I mean, even though I'm going to end up yeah. in your family, I'm not dating your family. I'm not dating your mom or your dad. I'm dating you. And also like, and the fact that you're not sticking up that? for me. Right. And the fact that you're, what are you saying to them? Right. That means you're saying things to uh, them right. yeah. that like, are not Because good. I can't really imagine a world, given how I would kind of describe her a little bit as a shrinking violet here, Ray, or just like a wallflower. 
I think, two flower references. I think, <laughs> I can't really imagine her outwardly treating Lexi so bad. I can just see her not being as like meeting her with the same enthusiasm towards things. Hey, maybe not giving her the things that she ultimately but wants and needs. her which is Also, I don't even know if I believe that like her dad said that. Like, and Honestly, <laughs> if your know. dad like, is saying knows? that, then your parents are bad because your parents really shouldn't be involved in a relationship and they need to trust their kid to make the right decision for themselves. Unless there's like abuse. some real like abuse. Yeah. Right, happening. and she's coming with black like, eyes, which I, I think we can all safely say on this podcast. No, everything is not that, happening. You everything know? that Lexi brings up is like you you only give me one drawer. Like, you you don't give me commitment. You give me a key. Like, I'm never the priority. And you know what? I I can see how hard that would be. That doesn't actually seem that out of whack for a relationship between two people in their early to mid-20s. Well, right. She's 24. I never got a key when I was 24. A key in my 20s was the ultimate sign of commitment. I was like, yeah. that's huge that's commitment. Huge. That seems like a lot. I mean, that's a big deal. And... Ray doesn't seem to, it's like, it's all about what Lexi isn't quite getting from Ray that she wants, but then Ray will very mildly try to be like, you never listen to me, and like, my feelings are never validated by you, because if they're not what you want me to feel, you just don't accept them, and Lexi completely tramples over that disclosure, and doesn't care, and then she wants to so- talk about how she treats Ray so well and always puts her first. And it seems more like Lexi puts her relationship with Ray first, but not Ray. Not Ray no. as, a, as an actual separate person. Lexi yeah, also has a, a really good. Lexi and Vanessa hate each other because they both had a hard time in the beginning of looking inward. And it was a projection of their own insecurity on the other person. And that's really why they didn't like each other. I also started to feel really weird about, and it was another sign of Lexi's age that she goes into like the group outings being like, Ray, you're not allowed to look in the direction of Vanessa. Like, a person that you just lived with for three weeks. Like, you're not allowed to look her in the eye, say hi, anything, say hi. Like, Lexi is controlling because she doesn't have it. It was cruel. It's cruel. cruel. And I like that Vanessa kind of said something to Xander being like, Lexi wouldn't even let Ray say hi to me. And Xander's like, yeah, that's kind of messed up. Like, you know, I, I think I think it's important to kind of like take emotions out of it and just be like, I can't even say hi to this person that helped me. I, you know, like it doesn't have to be sexual. It's just that I think Lexi, Vanessa represents everything that Lexi cannot control and is without and like is. Yeah, so, and, that and, is, that is and that is very torture very for scary. her. And that's why she doesn't like Vanessa. That's why. Yeah. So what did what did you guys think about Ozzy and Sam when we return? We We touched on this a little bit. Um, Claire, you alluded to this earlier, where, like, Sam returns from her relationship with Tiff a little more openly assertive, and Ozzy does not respond well to this. Ozzy has lacked a lack growth in any sort of way, and Sam has evolved in these three weeks, and Ozzy has not. And Ozzy even says, like, (laughs) when the first night together, Ozzy's like, all right, time to have sex. I haven't had sex in a while. Super excited about that. But Sam seems to have changed, and I'm not sure that that's good. Because Sam has, like, 
demonstrated the tiniest bit of backbone. And Ozzy's like, no, I need a partner who completely lets me walk all over them. Bends to yeah. me, just 100% and of the time. to me at all times. And it seems like maybe Sam's not going to do that anymore. So like, oh, how inconvenient. Annoying. <laughs> it's so annoying. Like... It is rough. Again, it lack is rough of to watch yeah. with Ozzy. Well, because it's one thing to watch someone as explosive as Mildred clash with Ozzy. And it's another to watch someone like Sam, who is so measured, so kind, so soft. And like, and that that is even that bit of pushback is receiving essentially the same reaction. Right. I'm, I'm super curious to see in the final, like, it, how Ozzy is reacting as Ozzy watches these episodes back. Because they've all yeah, probably, I bet like, it's rough. it yeah. has to be. And if it's not rough, then sh- then Ozzy is not paying attention. Or Ozzy doesn't care yeah. and is completely incapable of growth. And I'd like to believe that most people are actually capable of growth. But it has to yes. be objectively very hard to watch. And she and, and Ozzy, so. excuse me, could not be happy with the way that Ozzy is coming off here. Can't. Yeah, I really hope that it has prompted. So, but what I what I saw a little bit is that Ozzy keeps saying, "Oh, I want to do better. I I I'm trying. Like I'm trying so hard to be better for you." But name there's that like, though. No, name what you're no doing. No shift in it whatsoever. Yeah, like whenever a tense moment arises, Ozzy does exactly the same things at like in the same order at the same pace so i'm like you can want to change you can be embarrassed by this behavior but it's so ingrained that like ozzy doesn't know like and the way that it even like they get defensive they get annoyed when sam or mildred is expressing their feelings ozzy will just do this thing where they're just like wow wow Okay. Yeah. Wow. Right. Like just like very quietly. It's very, so it's very condescending. I, I, I did oh. enjoy when I'm and I'm blanking on their name. Sam's friend when they were having dinner went out to go check on Ozzy when Ozzy left, and mm. Sam was like, "Go check on Ozzy because yeah. like I'm here. I'm here." I was like, well, "That's interesting because maybe Ozzy cannot open up to Sam because Sam represents everything that's going to challenge her." So I was like, "Maybe this is Ozzy's opportunity to show." that they can be self-reflective in some sort of way with a friend there. So I thought that was kind of an eye-opening scene of having the friend That moment was fascinating because Ozzy breaks down and is expressing all of these sort of like petty angers at Sam. Like, Sam doesn't see my side. I'm a person. I matter. And then all of a sudden it goes right to like, I'm a child and I'm being told I'm bad by my parents and I didn't do it. And you're like, oh, God, there's just, like, a really deep well of things that need to be worked on here. And, like, that is – that broke my heart a little bit. But also, I don't believe that that is Sam's job to take on because that's a really big job. The issue is that, like, once you're in a partnership, it starts to seem like your job to take that on. And with a friend – But then there's there's reciprocal duties, right? And I feel like with a friend, you can – have a breakdown and cry and be like, none of this is my fault. It's so unfair and and get some affirmation. And a partner after a while is going to be like, when do my emotional needs ever factor into this? Yeah. Like, when totally. are you going to also be accountable? And so Ozzy is kind of like retreating from that space where there might be some form of like reciprocal accountability to someone who is removed enough that they yeah. can just like 
dump on them a little right. bit. Right. Your partner is not responsible for fixing their issues. You know, like, no. uh, again, you, or you, you can't help them, who which you is are. what Aussie wants. Yeah. You can't help who you are, but eventually you have to realize that you are responsible for who you, you have are. You take responsibility for yourself. It, you know, like, yeah. people are abandoned. People are this. Like, it's not Mildred's fault that her parents, you know, uh, one, one died, I think, one left. Like, it is so not her fault. But now that she's a fully grown yeah. person, she has to take responsibility for that for better or for worse. And she needs to work on her abandonment issues. Right. Just At a like certain Ozzie, point, you have to well, take responsibility. Your trauma is, is not yeah. an excuse for treating it's other people It's an explanation, badly. but it is not yeah. an excuse. And yeah, they both really struggle not to conflate. Like really Mildred struggle. at one point is crying and being like, I don't want to sit here and feel like it's my fault that I'm getting left. It's not my fault. I don't want to feel that way. And you're sort of like, well, it's complicated, right? Like, it's not your fault right. that your mom left when you were five at all. That right. is absolutely 100% not, your, not fault. your fault. When you're with an adult partner and you can't communicate in a healthy way with them, it might be partly your fault. Yeah, I, it takes there, two to There's tango. mutual responsibility mm-hmm. here. Yes, and you have to learn how to communicate with that other person. It can't just be how you, it can't just be your lens of how you look at the world. You also have to, because like, like I said, from Orna, from Couples Therapy, it's like, there has to be genuine care about the other person. There has to be. Otherwise, relationships cannot exist. That relationship cannot exist because there's no care on Aussie's side for anything other than like, oh, it's uncomfortable, out, I'm out, I'm done. I don't care what it is, you know? Even if, even if Sam has a point or Mildred has a point, I'm out, I'm done, I can't. I think the, Pain is so great that it is blinding. Yes, in in Ozzy's case, yes. and it's and that's what's heartbreaking about it. But I also don't want Sam to have to take that on. Tiff and Mildred also sort of fall back to into a familiar pattern where lots of sex. Tiff, where Tiff is suddenly being more like upfront about their concerns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and they <sighs> there's no stability. You know, they breaking up to, with me every week is no, it's not stable. I can't trust that you're going to be there when I have a complaint. Yeah. And Tiff is trying to kind of bring some lessons from this time with Sam and saying, like, I I feel like we need to not talk over each other so much. I feel like we need to respect each other's feelings more and listen to each other. And this is when Mildred says, well, talking over people is part of my Latina culture right. where being loud is how you get heard. And Tiff is like, you're pulling the race card. But respect doesn't have a race. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it's like if I was like, it's white people culture to be like to do this and not care what other people think. Like, I, I would hope that someone would be like, that's a bad thing to say. Like, well, I, white I would, people culture is always a risky thing. To I, say. Totally. <laughs> but it's like I it's, mean, it's like even if it is your culture. OK, but. Tiff's culture also matters and respect also does matter. Like, again, it's not it's an explanation, but it's not really an excuse. Like, it still should matter that Tiff does not want to be interrupted, even if it's harder for her to help, because that is Latina culture. Like, you have to have care for the other person. We've talked about this many times because we interrupt each other constantly on this podcast. And there are cultures where interruption is not viewed as disrespectful, right? It's totally. like collaborative, yeah. overlapping, or whatever. Conversation, yeah. I also come from a house where um, talking like loudly was kind of the way to get heard. Like, you volunteer to be part of the conversation. I'm not, like, going to ask you questions. Like, if you want to be part of the conversation, chime get in, in get in there. Do it. Yeah. But there's that, which I think is totally valid to be like, that's my culture. Like, we talk over each other. We we have fun. And then there's like, I'm never going to let you express your emotions during a serious conversation because I'm just going to 
interrupt you and say what I'm feeling instead. Yeah. Or doesn't it matter that Tiff wants that to you, Mildred? Like, isn't that important? You know, Tiff isn't saying like, I don't care about your culture and that doesn't make any sense. But Tiff is just saying, I want to feel heard by my partner. And that doesn't have anything to do with culture. That has everything to do just with relationships. And this is how I get heard. Yeah. And that conversation literally starts with Tiff pointing to mutual responsibility, being like, we both do cut each other off. We both do not really hear each other. We both don't respect each each other's feelings sometimes. And I would like us to work on that. And then while they are in the middle of expressing this, Mildred Mildred cuts that cuts them off and talks over them. And then it just, it just, there, there's no ability in their dynamic to like modulate and, and pull back. It just is like a runaway train. Well, because there's no ownership. And I think Tiff was trying to take ownership with Mildred being like, we both do this. I am so guilty of this. But like there was just, and then it just kept going, kept going, kept going because there was no like, okay, let's stop. I'm going to give you your space to speak uh, because I want you to see that this is how I view respect and I view this. But then I'm really hoping that you're going to give me the grace to speak without being interrupted. And it's hard to make that first step sometimes. It's it's hard to be like kind of the adult in the room when you're so heated or you're so triggered and you feel so hurt by somebody. But truthfully, that's kind of the only way to stop these just traumatic cycles from happening. Like someone has to put the spoke in that wheel at some point. Like you just have to do that. And it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. They're really struggling to get to that point. And I will say that accusing your partner of pulling the race card is probably not the best way to do it either. I'm like, you were searching lesbian no. Latinas on Instagram. So yeah, that's also try to true. Come a little more prepared to this conversation. But um we we kind of get to decision day with all with most of the couples having kind of come to a sort of peaceful place, even if they're not fully reconciled. Like Lexi and Ray have like an off-screen reconciliation and um, Tiff and Mildred are able to have a second conversation where they they try to like be more understanding of each other and appreciate, you know, Mildred's like, you know, I'm always pushing you away because I'm afraid of being abandoned, but like you've never left me and I should give you more credit. And, and, Soon it's time for them all to to have to make their big decisions. We end with Mal proposing to Yoli. We do not know Yoli's answer, but it doesn't look good from the teasers. Okay, do we have any predictions? Yoli because is not gonna get engaged to Mal. No, I don't think so. part of me thinks that she is part of me thinks that she is and that Mal and that Xander is gonna break up with Vanessa for Yoli. And then Yoli is going to have to be like, I'm with Mal. I'm staying with Mal. I could see that. my prediction. (laughs) I could see that sort of happening. You know, and what these people don't realize is like, this is kind of the best thing that's going to ever happen to them because it's forcing their relationship to do this, right? And so this is going to be deeply painful. And then they're going to look back. Deeply educational. I guess it has been two years. So (laughs) hopefully they're all in a good place. Who do we think Um, should get engaged and who should leave single? I think they all should leave single. I think all of them should leave single, to be honest with you. I think they all have their stuff to really, really work on. Yeah, I'm kind of like, I don't think any of them should get engaged. I think Tiff and Mildred might because they're they're so scared of that. And I think 
they are still in that mindset of thinking that marriage is going to solve them breaking up all the time when the issues yeah. are still going to be there. So I could see them thinking of it yeah. as a Band-Aid, being like, well, if we just get married, Mildred's not going to leave me a million times. And then Mildred wants also, that because of the abandonment issues. Yeah. <laughs> I frankly can see Ray and Lexi getting engaged. I, can I see could it. see yeah. it too. I, I, and I, I think, don't think they should, though. I, I think— I don't—do I think they should? No. But I can— Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't see Can't Lexi see saying no to Ray's proposal, even though Lexi thinks that she's smart enough to know better. That, and if she was, then she should say no. But yeah, I could see them doing that. Everyone else, though, I can't. I I, I really hope Ozzy and Sam do not. I really hope Ozzy does not no. propose. Yeah. Um, I do not want them to. Or get at least engaged. I hope Sam doesn't accept if Ozzy proposes, because Ozzy really needs to figure. Aussies shit out like yeah of all of them I think I feel the worst for Ozzy I don't think Ozzy has any sense of self I don't even think Ozzy really knows what Ozzy wants and I think couldn't even put a couldn't pinpoint anything um but the rest of them I can't really I I hope none of them do honestly I hope (laughs) none of them do I don't mind if they keep dating I don't mind if they're just like you know what I realized that maybe we're yeah, not like ready break for marriage up and then get 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 back together afterwards. This is it's a been two years. Show. Yeah, I, right. I hope you're. I hope that they are Learning. all very healthy and yes. happy. Um, since right November twenty twenty one, right a year and a half um, ago or whatever it's been. I will say that it looks like Tiff and Vanessa have become good friends. I like I that the show. You know, like which yeah. I like too. Uh, Tiff said that they like reached out to a bunch of people in the intervening period, just kind of being like, how's your mental health? Are you okay? We're all going through this weird thing. And that they really connected with Vanessa since then. And they've become close and they leave cute comments on each other's Instagrams. And I'm just like glad that Vanessa has one friend. Yeah, an ally. For her mental health. Yeah, so I I don't mind necessarily if they're like, we're going to date because we still need to figure our stuff out and I love you. But- I don't think marriage is right for us. That would be, I would I would accept that. Even though I think all of them aren't necessarily right for each other where they are right now in their lives, I would feel better about the situation if they didn't get married. Because marriage, you should respect, I think, the sanctity of that kind yes. of contract. You know, like I think that it's a big <laughs> that thing. That kind of seven-year renewable contract. <laughs> you should, But you should treat it seriously, not just something as a Band-Aid for anything. And unfortunately, yeah. I think they're still kind of in that, let's repair this as quickly and as, as you know, as fast as possible. And, and marriage, you know, it's like sometimes when couples are having a bad marriage, they're like, well, let's have kids. And you're like, no, no, no that's the opposite of what you should do. Like, no, 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 no. So I, I think they're all kind of there from what we're seeing in the growth. But it's hard to say. Yeah. I would love to see them all just break up and leave with all the knowledge that they have gained. Exactly. Yeah. Go on to healthier things. Yes. But we're going to find out soon. And uh, we're going to be back to discuss all of those decisions and the reunion. There's going to be a reunion show that was taped uh, over a year after, I think, the initial filming. So it was it was taped in January of this year. So that's yeah, good. That's so. current-ish. Current-ish. Yeah. So we'll get yeah. a good sense of what's going on. Darren, Thank you so much for joining us. Can you let the people know where to find you? Thanks for having me. I love breaking this stuff down with you guys. You guys are so fun and so smart. You can find me on everything at at Carpe Darren. And uh, you can catch me on the Today Show, NBC News Now on Peacock. And of course, my true crime podcast, Shaken and Disturbed, wherever you get your podcasts. 
Ugh, you're such a star. Thank you. You're such a so star. You also, if anyone's listening from Netflix, hire Please. Darren to host. Yeah. I'll ask the hard questions. If not this one. If not this show, then something else. <laughs> And on that note, that is it for this episode of Love to See It with Emma and Claire. Thanks to our wonderful guest, Darren Carp. Love to See It is produced by us, Claire Fallon and Emma Gray and Stitcher. This episode is edited by Talon Stradley. Our theme music is by Tamar Haviv and our art is by Celine Chang. Josephine Martirana is our executive producer. If you like our show, please remember to follow us, rate us five stars, leave a review, all the things you would do to support a podcast you like. And of course, spread the word to all your friends. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at clareandemmapod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter and TikTok at Love to See It Pod and on Instagram at Claire and Emma Pod. And you can find our newsletter, Rich Text, on Substack at clareandemma.substack.com. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at Claire E. Fallon. And I'm at Emma Lady Rose. We will be back next week with our finale recap of The Ultimatum Queer Love. Stitcher. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com partners. NetCredit. Credit to the people. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.